listening to this podcast right now. Do you want to hear a fucking podcast about anything and everything? Yeah. Like movies, oh my music, God. television, and more? Oh my God. Well, you've come to the right place. Yes. Subscribe to Journey into Comics Network, and you get Podcastrophe, oh hosted God. by me, yes. Dick. Why not throw a couple bucks to the Patreon? It's your yes. choice. Yeah. This is a Podcastrophe. That sounds so awesome. The following, following the following is a journey into comic. Journey into comic. It's a journey into comic. It's a journey into comic. Journey into comics. Journey into comics. Network. 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 Production. Production. To a nicer guy, it couldn't happen. I'm the man of the hour. The man with the power. Diamonds are forever. He put hard times on Dusty Rhodes and his family. Then what you gonna do, Andre? History beckons the macho man. Yeah. The best there is. The best of what? Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Two words for ya! Two words! And man! The champ is here! Do I have everybody's attention now? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Wrestling. This is Season 4, Episode 5. I, five time, five time, five time, five time, five time. I'm your host, Nate. Today joining me, as always, hail that Buckelhausen. How's it going? I'm doing well. I'm a little uh, I'm a little happy that you got to the five time joke before I could get into it. <laughs> I was yes. just thinking it that. It was, uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, apropos. Well, I can't, if I can't make the five time joke, I'll make an old school Big E joke and do the uh, three ain't enough, I need five. Ooh, there, you, there go. you go. Hell yeah. So how's it going, bro? Doing well. Um, I am busy as all holy hell. Um, for those of you who don't know me here personally, I work at a, at a food bank out of Lafayette, Indiana, and our December schedule is balls and nuts because we're working a short month. So I'm out on the road like every freaking day for the next uh, like three and a half weeks straight. So Damn, just crazy, bro, crazy, just crazy, crazy, crazy. Basically, my life has come down to my dog watching wrestling and working. <laughs> I mean, I can appreciate that. It's like uh, sometimes the repetition's okay, man. But listen, when you're not doing that, you I mean, you still kind of are doing wrestling. But, like, you did get to do something pretty, like, I would say pretty fucking radical. Definitely. Uh, this past week. Definitely. So, uh, as this is Wednesday, we're releasing this show, and we've got we got news to talk about that's going to happen later on. But like a week ago, at this point, you went to AEW Dynamite that in is Indianapolis. Correct. First, uh, first time ever getting to a TV taping of anything, and uh, happened to be back in my old hometown. So got to matter of fact, actually just uh, down the road from my old uh, stomping grounds where I grew up, and where uh, where Walk Among Us typically plays over at uh, Melody Inn. Hell yeah. Hell yes. So, uh, yeah, actually had great seats. Uh, I posted pictures up on the Facebook page, but uh, floor seats about 15 rows back, uh, kind of opposite the uh, entrance ramp. So got a bird's eye view of all the pyro, all the uh, intro stuff. And, man, I got to tell you, leading up to the show, uh, I've made no bones about it. I've been a Moxley fan for years and I've been a big mark for Darby Allen for the last couple of them, uh, following them through Evolve. So last week when they announced that, uh, yeah, we're getting Moxley versus Allen, 
I damn near shit my pants when I realized, oh my god, I get to see that live. Holy you get to shit. see a dream match for you live, yes. dude. And then it just kept building. They built that card from hell. Like They had that, then we get a big battle royal, then they're going to announce Proud and Powerful versus uh, Private Party. And then, oh yeah, we're going to have Nick Jackson's first solo match in five fucking years, or whatever it was. Versus Ray Phoenix of all people. Right. Holy shit. And then the day of the show... Um, I hadn't even thought, well, they're going to do something for Dark. Oh, yeah, we're going to give you a Kenny Omega title defense against Jack Evans, a dude you like, too. What? What the fuck? Sure. Sign me up. Inject this into my blood right fucking now. I am there. So, yeah, I uh, I took off. Uh, I took all day Wednesday off and uh, drove down. You know, had a nice dinner beforehand. Got to, to my favorite Creole place and got some nice. good dinner. Drove over to... Uh, over to the fairgrounds and uh, sat down right in time for them to start uh, filming Dark. And uh, if you get a chance to go, since AEW is a brand new promotion, I know a lot of not a lot of our listeners have probably gotten to go yet. Um, they do Dark split up, which I didn't realize. They did uh, one match prior to the to the Dynamite opening, and then they did two matches or three matches after the fact. Like well, one of those card. matches was a squash. I wouldn't call it a match. Right. Right. <laughs> But, uh, which actually I haven't gotten to watch yet since I saw it live. I haven't watched the uh, the airing li- uh, from today yet. Um, but yeah, they start the show off as people are filing in. There's still a couple empty seats and they announce, oh yeah, we're going to do uh, Trent and uh, Penta. All right, I get a Penta singles match too. Sure, sign me up. And they fucking have a great match then. To a, to so a that was the first match you guys prepared. saw? Yes. Okay, first so that is how was, uh, they aired it as well. It was the first thing we yep. saw. Right. It was actually kind of cool. The way they have their uh, Jumbotron up, uh, they have the two screens kind of opposite the main uh, the main ramp. And obviously when it's a TV taping, you're sitting at a side of the ring. You can't see all the action. Like when they go to the ramp side, I can't see what's going on over there. So you got to look up on, back, the, so. on the Tron. Right. They're actually airing the TV feed or the camera feed that will go to the TV show on that Tron, so you can follow it there real easily. Fucking radical. Definitely. That's um, awesome. And they had a fucking banger of a match. Uh, even just thinking about it from memory, having not watched it tonight, Penta hit a fucking uh, package pile driver on the apron that was just loud as shit. Brutal. Yes, yes, yes. And then uh, they go through the main card, which you know, I'll go over the, uh, the actual show itself, but... It was really trippy. It was a really cool show. Um, crowd was hot as hell the whole night through. Um, it was really, it was kind of, it kind of threw me a little bit not hearing the announcers again. First time going to a TV taping, so I didn't quite know how that would play out. But it makes it a little strange not being able to hear the announcers calling it. But all the same, it's still a great match. And you can, you can hear them. You can hear the, you know, calling each other out in the ring you could hear the slaps which when you're watching a fucking pentagon match it sounds like bull whips um and just great match after great match after great match uh i will have to say the probably pop of the night would have been i gotta say probably be billy gunn coming out uh for the uh battle royal Royal, which no one saw coming uh, the showdown with uh, him and uh, Orange Cassidy was probably the loudest the arena got, other than uh, other than Moxley almost killing Allen. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely. 
but uh, just cool things for going to the show itself. Uh, they did a hell of a job of you know keeping things moving. There wasn't really any time in between matches, even with the uh, even commercial with the breaks. And commercial breaks, definitely. Um, and then after the show, well, I shouldn't say after the show. Let me get ahead of myself here. Uh, where I was sitting. When that main event started uh, rolling up on us, everybody starts kind of looking around for Moxley because we're on the floor. There's a good chance he's coming out behind us. I'm sitting damn near close to the aisle, and I am freaking the hell out thinking he's going to walk right past me. Unfortunately, he didn't. He didn't come out on my end. He didn't go back on my end. But I was able to hop out, and I'll try to post it on the Facebook page later. Uh, He actually came back around uh, on the other side of my section, I got up out of my seat, ran around the corner, and caught a video of him as he's walking past. Hell yeah. Uh, throwing up a double bird to the audience, too. And then uh, we go back to Dark. Uh, we have you know the Awesome Kong squash. You have uh, Shanna and Big Swole, which, eh, crowd was kind of, kind of dying off by that point. And then you get to the Kenny fucking uh, Jack Evans match, which is everything you want an Omega match to be. It was just awesome, great to see it live, and uh, they get some really cool shit after the show ended, like after the uh, taping ended, and it's uh, down to Nick and uh, Cody, or no, excuse me, uh, Nick and Omega in the ring, and, you know, just, just bullshitting with people. Uh, they joked around, they threw some shirts into the audience. Uh, if you saw the guy with the uh, Suck It Vince sign yeah. in the crowd... Uh, they called him out a couple times. Uh, Cody actually mentioned it without mentioning. He's like, I can't really say anything, but that's awesome. Uh, Nick and Omega straight up said, no, that's fucking great. The Vince Sucks guy is awesome. And uh, I, I think they ended I up giving make, him like I'll, a... Uh, we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, keep going. I think they actually ended up giving him, uh, giving him a turnbuckle pad. Oh, shit. Um, like, they were looking to, like, who should we give it to? Who should we give it to? Like, you know what? Give it to the Vince Sucks guy. Uh, nice. Kenny did the uh, the good night and goodbye uh, bang or yeah good night goodbye bang, and then uh, he takes off. And if you've been on the Facebook page, you'll see it. Uh, Nick starts doing a little bit of a lap around the ring and shaking hands and everything. And I look down at my phone and I've got four percent battery. And I'm going, oh fuck, oh god, oh fuck, please please come over here quickly enough. And lo and behold, he comes by. I get a handshake, get a quick selfie with the dude. So. There's a little bit of a bucket list moment. Get a picture with a young buck. Hell yeah, dude. How was so, that? Did you say, did you guys get to chat me or was it just like really not, fast? Not really got a chat. It was just kind of in passing since he was kind of moseying around. But, you know, I said, thanks for an awesome night. Great show. Hope you wishing you guys all the best of luck. Thank you for what you're bringing back to wrestling. And got a nod and a handshake. That was good enough for me. Hell yeah, dude. That's a so, fucking wild experience. So I'm going to ask, yep. I, I do have one question. How was their merch prices? Reasonable or a little bit expensive? Um, or? From what I could tell, uh, so I, they had the merch stand down by the time I left. Uh, I walked past it on the way in. It looks like about the same as what they have on Pro Wrestling Tees. Oh, that's not bad. Like so, 25 or so like a shirt. About 25 bucks, 30 bucks for a shirt. Not bad. Uh, all, less than yeah. what you pay at a concert for the most part. Um, they, <laughs> When we first got to the arena, they were had everybody waiting outside for the doors to open. And they somehow, for some reason, put the merch stand right by the open doors. So, like, as soon as you walk into the building, slam, stop. Yeah, so the line for the merch stand was ridiculous. 
Oh man. But that's where they're uh, killing it, man. That's where they're really making the money for right. all these guys. Right. We'll is, say that's something that yeah. won't make it onto camera, and I don't think I've gotten a chance to tell you yet. Uh, that Omega match during the uh, at the end of the match, uh, like I said, I kind of walked up to the barrier when they were throwing shirts out. Uh, made it through, you know, no problems or anything, and uh, everybody's being kind of respectful, you know, keeping their not keeping their distance, but not you know crowding up too much. Totally. Uh, and it's just rows of folding chairs. So I'm like, I'm going to step a little bit to the side and go into the, the row of folding chairs that nobody's standing in. And, uh, you know, at least I'll get out of everybody's way. Well, your boy here steps on a full can of beer that somebody left on the ground, goes straight up from under me, and I just fucking eat it into the chairs. Oh, no. <laughs> so managed to uh, catch myself without uh, completely wiping out a row and uh, making a complete ass of myself, thank God, on camera. But... Um, <laughs> Kind of step. I'm kind of pull a uh, Gimli the dwarf. Oh, that was deliberate. That was deliberate. <laughs> I did it on purpose. Damn it! It was Hell to see yeah. if you were paying attention to me. Yep. Yep. Now laugh, humans. Oh god! But all in all, just awesome fucking night. Blast. I think I got there at uh, walked in the door probably seven fifteen. Uh, walked out at probably eleven fifteen, something like that. Um. Uh, so an extra forty five minutes. Both sides for dark, uh, two-hour show, just great all the way around. Oh, man, that's awesome. I really wish I could go to an AEW Dynamite event. That would be oh, really wait. fucking <laughs> cool, man. But wait a minute. I am going, <laughs> and I totally don't know how to even express this to you guys because it's the craziest story. So... Oh, where are we at? Today's Tuesday. It's actually Wednesday for you listening. This would have been Friday, I think, into Saturday. So this is like around the time of my ankle shit. So I'm a little fucked up on everything. But Linder messages me. Uh, Dave Linder from the D-List. He's like, hey, bro, what's up? And I was like, uh, not much, man. He's like, what are you doing Wednesday? And I was like, I'm sitting at home watching fucking Dynamite, probably and just chilling like I might order a pizza shit I don't know he's like we have an extra ticket for dynamite do you want it and I was like I really don't have any cash bro and he's like yeah it's it's 90 bucks and no worries if you can't take it man and I was like yeah no worries dude I'll watch it at home it's fine you know like it's not a big deal but apparently the universe really needs me to be at this event I think it's going to be like <laughs> some sort of life changing wrestling for some reason that's why I'm going to be there because a day later, Buckles, one whole day later, my dude, which fans of this show will know him, he was a guest a host for a short time there, Matthew Waite, Marvel comic book artist, hit me up and he was like, hey, bro, what are you doing on Wednesday? And, and I've already heard this story, so I'm just <laughs> auto, auto response. Okay, here's how the conversation goes. Hey, dude, what are you doing on Wednesday? I'm going to sit at home in my undies and watch Dynamite. I didn't say undies, but it's funny for right now because whatever. It's implied. He, He's like, well, hey, um, I got an extra ticket to Dynamite, seventh row on the floor. Oh. And I was like, oh, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a lovely thought, but, like, I really don't have that kind of money. Like, I, I already didn't have money for the lender's ticket, which was not seventh row right. on the floor, you know? So I'm like, I, just, no, I can't, man. Sorry. And he's like, I'm not asking for you to pay for it. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> And he's like, I got a couple extra tickets because I knew it was going to be awesome. And 
we haven't we haven't got to hang out in a, a minute. I thought it'd be fucking cool. And I was like, yes. So me, him, and a local pro wrestler from my neck of the woods, who also happens to be the son of the uh, comic shop I shop at, um, are gonna go see fucking Dynamite on Wednesday, bro. Awesome, man. Or tonight. We're going. If you're listening, we're going tonight. And uh, gotta say, you can uh, if you get a chance to hook up with Linder, you'll get to meet uh, John from the D list as well. Yes, John's gonna be there. That's gonna be yep. radical. Uh, I uh, I hate to say this, they actually offered me one of their extra tickets as well, and I can't make it next Wednesday or tomorrow night. Uh, so I mean, I there's a there was a legitimate chance of ha- being able to go to both, but thanks to uh, Thanksgiving holidays and travel, I'm not able to. No, I totally understand, man. It's already going to be like kind of stressful on me because I already know I'm not going to get a lot of sleep now leading into right. Thursday. I got to get up ball sack early because we got to drive to Lowell, pick up the girl and the kid, and then drive down to my family's for like a very fast visit, and then turn right back around and drive right back up. So it's like, whew, I can't wait for that sleep on Friday. Friday oh, is going to be so nice. <laughs> I'm actually hanging out with Linda on Friday. Linda and hey. your boy, uh, and your boy Tyler McLaughlin. Oh shit! You're hanging out with the crew, I love it. I am. Hell yeah, the Galactus of podcast co-hosts. There we go, Tyler McLaughlin. Um, he'll never know that I said that about him because he won't listen to wrestling stuff. It's just <laughs> not his style. <laughs> I, I will make a point to tell him that on Friday. There you go. But you uh, go. I'm really I'm really looking forward to this event, man. Because you know uh, this is like a, a a precursor into what folks are going to be seeing tonight, unless. You're listening to this after Dynamite has aired, and you're really confused because it sounds like I'm a blathering fool. But what, what I'm saying is, is like the card is stacked. They've got some really crazy things planned. I have a humble opinion on something I actually think they're going to be crazy enough to do. And right. uh, I mean, they have the MJF versus Hangman Page for the the, the ring. ring. Okay. Yep. Going to be awesome. Probably interference by Wardlow, some bullshit. MJF wins it. That puts so right. much heat on him. Oh, uh, trust me. Even even in just the uh, the battle royal match, uh, by far you couldn't see and you couldn't hear anything when he was on screen because booze just everywhere. Yeah, it sounded like it too when watching, which was crazy. Yes. I kept looking for you on the TV, but I did not see you. I the only I will say the only time I was able to catch myself on screen. Was watching uh, since I watched the uh, stream on uh, Watch Wrestling because I'm a pirate like that uh, Thursday night, um, which they show the stream shows actually the during the commercial breaks as well. So I did catch myself. I think it was before the Darby Mox match. Uh, the cameras kind of hovering over us during a commercial break. Dope. That's awesome. But uh, I know they're doing. Uh, they're also going to have Cody in action. They haven't said against two yet. Um, and I think the only other match that I know has been announced was uh, the celebration for the champion uh, and Scorpio Sky getting a title shot. Honestly, bro, <clears throat> I'm gonna say it here. I think Scorpio Sky pulls up an insane upset victory. Chicago's the place to crown someone as a champion. You want him as your face of the company. That's what they're. That's what they're building. They wouldn't have I, set all this up for it to just be a, a squash. Uh, I don't. I. I don't think it'll be a squash. I think it'll be a competitive match. I don't think Sky takes it simply because he's already a tag champ. I don't think they put both belts on him. 
Yeah, but then he could be like, look, I'll relinquish this to 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 Daniels, and I'll just be a could, singles I mean, guy. Could be. I could see that. I just don't think it's the likeliest of scenarios. Okay. okay I won't be enough. mad at it if it happens. Don't, don't get me wrong. I just really want it to happen, I think, because I really like Scorpio. Do you, uh, I have to ask, do you recall, because I was messaging you the entire show, do you recall my reaction to uh, the, the uh, Scorpio getting the match made? Oh, I don't remember what because you said, no. The uh, the setup was that, you know, um, Jericho challenges him to a match and Daniels wants to have a two-month fight camp. And Jericho said, oh, well, guess what? You get it next week. And uh, Kazarian says something along the lines of, you know, you can't make it for the title because he gets a little crazy about the title. Uh, Scorpio says, well, you know, I don't deserve a title shot. And Jericho, oh, you think you don't deserve it? Well, you're going to get a title shot. So I immediately sent you a message in all caps, son of a bitch, Daffy ducked him. Yeah, he did. (laughs) He totally Daffy ducked him. Crowd ate the shit up, too. Man. Uh, But, yeah, it should be a hell of a card, man. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited for it. You'll have to look for me. I think I know what sign I'm going to make. So look for the sign that's going to say Vince Fears. A little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> I will say this. If um, if you're on the floor, if they have it set up in the same way, especially if you're uh, row seven, when you hold that sign up, don't hold it up for very long because that is annoying as shit if you're sitting behind. Oh, yeah, no. I would just flash it, like, just randomly. I'm not going to sit there a, and just hold it up for the whole fucking time. Cause that's there's a few guys, I want to say, like, probably row three or four in our group that would not sit the fuck down. And, I'm 6'2", so that's not really a problem for me, but there was a lot of people uh, yelling at him. Sit down, you asshole! Yep. but I'm eh. curious if there's going to be a very large CM Punk chant. Uh, uh, you know, I could see it. Um, I will also say Chicago just went through damn near a week of WWE, so they may be CM Punked out. <laughs> you right, you right, K, you right, though. Uh, no, I mean, there was a lot of wrestling in Chicago the past weekend, man. Definitely. Uh, I, I, I gotta, I, do, do we want to shift gears into that? I, I was going to ask how you want to handle this. We've got a couple headlines we can go over. We can do the, uh, the top list and somebody to watch. We can do some storylines. Which way you want to go with it? Let's, uh, let's do some rapid reactions and talk about these headlines. Cause they're, they're good. They're worthy about speaking, but we're not going to, I don't think spend a ton of time gotcha. on them. So we'll just bang them out here real quick. Got a couple of thickness. I, to go kind of in chronological order, I think chronological order, uh, you had the Jim Cornette uh, doing Jim Cornette things last week uh, on on uh, TNA Power, excuse me, uh, NWA Power, uh, with the just flippantly blatant racist remark uh, during the Power episode that got it pulled and re-edited after the fact. First time I've ever missed a power, so I didn't even see it happen live. I mm-hmm. actually missed it. I've watched every power as it's premiered, I think, except for episode one. It's the only one I caught, like, after the fact. But I've been, di- I mean, even fucking Die Hard and watched it tonight, which was a train wreck of a show, right. in my opinion. But uh, and like, you know, Jim I, Cornette, let's just real quick uh, to clarify to our audience, I want to quote Jim Cornette here so we aren't confused as mm-hmm. to assuming... Okay, was it his intent to be racist? Probably not. Was what he said very racist? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. 
at best it's a dated reference or a at best it's a a dig on a on a famine at, at, at absolute best and the thing about like the thing about the whole situation to me with him is that not only did he get canned for it he's no longer on power he got canned because he wouldn't apologize for it and wouldn't admit that what he had said was maybe even even if he didn't think it was racist, maybe a little insensitive. Now and, listen, it's because I don't think it's wrong. Right. And the sad thing is, this is now November. In the calendar year, this is the fourth thing in recent memory, really the fourth thing since uh, even June, of him having either a horribly racist or sexist thing go viral. And he said uh, the had, crazy shit about Justin Roberts. I no, I didn't actually. I didn't count. I didn't even count the Roberts one. Uh, I was going with uh, him calling uh, Sunny Kiss a transvestite or a drag queen. Um, I have been referring to him calling Jordan Grace a butterface. I do recall that one. Yep. And then uh, most recently, uh, posting uh, his his uh, depiction of Riho as the old Asian woman from South Park. Like, dude, your your shtick is just wearing thin, and the goodwill for you to fall back on is just not there anymore, man. Well, and it becomes a a pattern of uh, consistency, and when you can see somebody right. have a, a fact based pattern like that, I mean, right, you just know their intent is not just this innocent mistake. So, what did Cornette say? Why are we building this up? Here's the exact line he said during a Trevor Murdoch match. Trevor Murdoch is the only guy I know brave enough to strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Yeah, and the sad thing is it went by kind of without any kind of fanfare or anything. And I, I noticed it and went, whoa, whoa, what what the hell? And couldn't pause it because it's a live show. It's just the first, the first airing of it, so I can't rewind it too much. And as soon as the show ended, I went on Twitter to see, did somebody catch that? I didn't just hear that. And Tell immediately, me. no, it's, it's, there's clips already with it. And they had it pulled within probably 20 minutes. Now tell and, me, yeah. you didn't just say that. And here's the really sad thing about the whole issue is that show's not filmed live. It's taped. Or it's not broadcast live. It's, it's taped. So, they we know spoilers for these shows, you know, barring commentary, but they've had these shows in the can for seven, eight weeks, a couple months now. So you're telling me that that made it not only through your editing process, that made it through everyone who had to listen to that went, no, that's okay, that's that's fine, nothing, no problems here, all the way to the point where it aired and somebody had to point it out to you. I don't buy it. Well, either they sabotaged him, and it was kind of like, a, well, we can leave it in there, and it's going to fuck him up because it's 2019. Yeah. Let's not cover his ass type thing, and he's already on thin ice, so let's just let him fucking axe himself, essentially. I feel like they leave it in there hoping it doesn't get noticed. If it does, they'll throw him under the bus. Yeah, which it did get noticed very quickly, oh, yeah. and we talked about this off air, that we have both independently played this to people, and my dad's not really a wrestling fan or a wrestling guy, so he doesn't really get in on it but he knows racism and i played that for him and his reaction was like oh that's racist as hell right like he came right back with it just with like wow that was like i and i didn't preface it with like hey man do you think this is racist i just said hey man listen to this and tell me what you think right it's 
it's one of those things where you, if you listen to it, even out of context, you comes across as, wow, that's a stupid thing to say. Like, even if, even if you're not going to say it's patently racist, and there are people who defended it as not being patently racist, but it's still a stupid-ass thing to say, especially live on the air. And for Cornette, a guy who is, you know, made his bones as being the old-school guy, you're on NWA, you're on a show that is custom-built for you, and you got your ass fired for from it. What, I mean, what do not- you do? Where do you go from here? You're going to go back to Twitter, you're going to go back to your podcast, and you're essentially Vince Russoing yourself. No one takes you seriously now. Totally. No one's going to want to work with him so, now, especially with how he right. talks about AEW. They're not going to reach out. He's not right. going to go to ROH and the shit show that that is. He's not going to go to WWE. They're uh. not going to touch him with a 10-foot pole. I will say it does kind of make NWA more authentic and old school like it used to be with a little bit of racism, though. Yeah, I mean, well. Just, that's a, a terrible joke, but it's very some, real. There are some things that should stay in the past, unfortunately. Absolutely, absolutely. I do have to say that is a great segue to our next headline, though, uh, calling out uh, Ring of Honor. Sure, sure. Um, The other headline from that week, uh, if you follow Ring of Honor, they've been kind of having a fledgling Women of Honor uh, division. It's not not gone over great. They've uh, they're kind of running a uh, a redo of the uh, the beautiful people from Impact uh, called, I think, the Allure or something like that. Their, Their booking has not been great all year long. They've had issues with people wanting to leave. Uh, you know, God knows Marty Skrull's got one foot out the door. But oh, yeah, he's already on, he's already umbrellaing himself for like Mary Poppins style. Right. Well, you had from the beginning of the year. We started off the year with Enzo and Cass crashing the show in a shoot that became a work uh, that was completely a work the entire time. Uh, then you have uh, Bully Ray picking a fight with a fan. And then now you have uh, a couple weeks ago, or about a week and a half ago, uh, Joey Mercury, formerly of J and J Security, and prior to that, formerly of Eminem fame in WWE, formerly uh, got that fucking as, ladder to his eyeball. Jesus Christ, yep, uh, was working as I believe a producer for Ring of Honor, and went on a just absolute tirade on Twitter, calling out. Uh, unprofessional and inappropriate behavior from Sinclair uh, and the guys running Ring of Honor, uh, whose names escape me at the moment, but for, you know, not paying people correctly and not uh, not uh, helping people with medical expenses or not even, I think it was something along the lines of, uh, oh, I can't remember who it was. Someone got injured and Joey reset his, like, broken arm or something. Jesus like, it's Christ. It's some ridiculous stuff. Well, one of the things that he mentioned was their women's champion, Kelly Klein, and said, you know, you had her work while she was still in the concussion protocol. You know, she had a concussion. She's still having post-concussion syndrome, and you're having her work matches and take airline flights. That's bullshit. So there was a bit of a storm that got uh, stirred up over that, and then not a whole lot gets said, and then suddenly comes the news that, Ring of Honor is letting Kelly Klein, their current women's champion, go. And the word is, you know, they fired her, and they fired her for this, that, and the other. She still has, a, uh, is still dealing post concussion syndrome. She hasn't worked a match in like probably three or four weeks, and is still like paying her own bills and everything. And uh, all she did was when uh, when Joey Mercury tweeted all that, says. 
yeah, you know, this is all accurate, and I hate saying this because I want Ring of Honor to be better. I don't want to go someplace else. I want Ring of Honor to be the best place possible. This is a great company. And all of a sudden, she's let go for agreeing with him. And they even publish, there's an email that gets published, I think Joey may have done it, somebody else may have, where the actual termination letter uh, they didn't terminate her. They just—they're uh, not going to let her contract renew, or they're not going to renew her contract at the end of its time. And, and they justify that as no, we're not firing else. her. We're just—we're just not renewing her. And they said because basically she didn't make the company look better because she agreed with Joey instead of them. Instead of defending them, they're going to let her go. Can you can you tell me how bad of a look is that? To have it somebody looks pretty that's fucking guilty, actually. Oh God! Like, somebody that's we've done something for wrong. You. We need to cover this up. Let's fire people that shouldn't have ever been fired, or not, well, well, you know, contractually renew them and let them well, like, suffer while they're injured. We're gonna have someone who gets injured while working for us. We're not gonna pay your bills. We're gonna have her work while she's still injured with a fucking brain injury, no less. We're gonna have her take flights and things that are not conducive to somebody who has a concussion. And then when we get called out for it, not by her, but when we get called out for it, all she does is agree with them while agreeing with them in the way that talks up our company in the best way possible and saying that she wants to stay with us. She doesn't want to go anywhere else. Not only are we going to let her go, we're going to actually release a statement saying, well, we didn't fire her. We're just not renewing her contract. Like that's going to make it better. So it's just this long line of things from Ring of Honor this year where they are just slowly circling the toilet. And I think you're going to start seeing, you know, people from Ring of Honor start looking elsewhere. I think uh, Marty Skrull may just be the first of many. And When's this contract the, up, bro? It's got to be soon. Uh, I believe it's at the end of this month. I think it actually may be up this weekend. Um, oh, he, has gone on, he has gone on record saying he's going to work. Uh, the next Ring of Honor show, I can't remember the name of it, whatever the next pay-per-view is, uh, without the contract. He's working just one last show for them. and then a he's, favor. Yeah, I think he's gone after that. I will say, if, uh, if you do start seeing that exodus from Ring of Honor, there are some good names there. Oh, yeah, I there's a lot of talent in Ring I of Honor. I mentioned PCO. And that, like, there's a lot of people that can come out yeah. of there and uh, bolster up an already fledgling wrestling world right now. There's a lot of places you can see people go into different spots. Uh, names I would definitely watch or keep an eye on. Let's see where... I think Skrull going to AEW is probably a lock, as much as anything can be a lock. But you got guys like Jonathan Gresham. You've got guys like fucking uh, Jay Lethal. You Ooh. have uh, guys like PCO, who I've mentioned on the show before. She was uh, someone to watch last week, I do believe. Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, Jeff Cobb, both guys who've been on Evolve and Lucha Underground previously. Uh, are Cobb's the Briscoes stuff. there? The Briscoes are still there, but I don't see them leaving. They've been company men the whole way through. And really? uh, WWE's already passed on them before. And I don't really think they're, you know, pulling back the curtain a little bit. They've been they've come across as pretty bigoted themselves, kind of in that Jim Cornette fashion. So I don't know that their stock's going to go that much further from uh-huh. Ring of Honor. Um, two names I will say to definitely watch for would be uh, Bandito, uh, Luchador, who's done a lot with uh, PWG and with, uh, I believe he's done stuff with Impact. I know he's done a lot with Progress, but uh, Luchador that is just phenomenal in the ring. Uh, Dragon Lee as well. 
Uh, and Dragon Lee's brother is currently the Ring of Honor champion, Roosh, uh, who is a hell of a wrestler and just got let go out of CMLL um, for reasons which I do not know, actually. So there's definitely a few names that could come out of Ring of Honor if they finally start spiraling. It'll be sad to see the show that you know gave us guys like Danielson and Seth Rollins and Aries and the like go down the toilet, but... Sinclair, the company that owns them, is content to watch it burn at this point. And I think it's on fire at this point, too, you know? Right. Like, and then, it, uh, it, it, the house is definitely on fire. We're just waiting for the inferno. Yeah, we don't need no water. Let the motherfucker burn. <laughs> hey, I see what you did there. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we have other humongous news I didn't realize we didn't even put on our rundown that I maybe we should briefly touch on before we get too much deeper into this. Um, sure. Let's talk about this bash at the beach and the drama that precedes it. I I'm honestly not entirely sure there's there's much to go on yet at this point that we know of. Supposedly, and correct me if I'm wrong, they uh, Cody uh, purchased the rights to Bash at the Beach. Hundred percent correct. Uh, uh, because WWE had let it essentially lapse. They'd had it for 15 years and hadn't used it, so it just disappeared. And instead of using Bash at the Beach, they used The Bash, which is not the, the same. Bash. So the rights do right. then, in fact, go up into the world. Right. And WWE is trying to sue because they think it's too similar to one of their names, I guess. Well, it's because they have the catalog of Bash at the Beach from the WCW right. era right. in their vault. Well, if you, uh, I, I don't know how it's that much of a, I hate to say not much of a story, but... It is a story, but I don't see how Vince has any leg to stand on or how WWE has any leg to stand on if they let it go. Well, I think it becomes not even... Dude, I don't think it has any... It, it literally is nothing to do with Bash at the Beach. This is a way to start tying Cody Rhodes up legally with money and make it harder for him to... It's CM Punking him, dude. That's true. Like, you can just suffocate a motherfucker by keeping him held up in court and appeal and appeal and appeal and appeal and appeal. That's and true. And if there's not... Uh, fast and judicious people working in the system to get it to the right channels to let's say if it absolutely has to go to the Supreme Court or something taking it there right you know uh, this is just a long arduous process for Cody and I know that it's possible because he's the one that tweeted it looks like I'm going to be going to court soon time to start shopping for a new suit right and Which, uh, sorry you bullshit know, Cody you got enough suits God knows man I mean, listen, Bash at the Beach this way is totally different than anything WWE ever mm-hmm. did or even WCW ever did. Right, right. A nine-day um, event over, or a nine-day week over two or three AEW Dynamite events. Including the cruise, if I'm not mistaken. Including the cruise, which is literally like an inner circle celebration party. Right. You might as well, if, I mean, listen, if Jericho is champ by the time they get to that point, which is, as of right now, I kind of assume he will be. Um, it's it's literally going to be a giant celebration for the inner circle. So it's going to be kind of like a NWO esque takeover of Dynamite. Kinda, uh, kind of a, their own sold out in a way. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's honestly, on a fucking I'm, boat. Who has ever had I'm a wrestling event on a boat live? I'm I'm fucking here for it, especially with Jericho of all people. Yeah, that'd be fun as hell. Um, I did hear also that. I'm not sure if it's confirmed or not, but that uh, Cody actually bought the rights to the name American Dream as well. Yes. Which, if he did, good on you, man. 
Got to you. Got to be smart, man. I, I think he's kind of playing the Ric Flair role right now, and Ric Flair bitching about not having the rights to the manor. Do did does have the rights to the manor? If he couldn't have the rights to the manor, whatever the fucking drama with him is, it's like Cody's like, you know what? I'm just gonna scoop these names when I can, and if in ten or fifteen years the Gold Dust name comes up, he's gonna scoop right. that up too. Well, I could see them if uh, if this really has legs, and if they do, if this is a long drawn out thing that AEW or Cody actually wins. There's no way in hell that WWE will let Goldust go. They'll find ways to completely to reuse the name, and they'll release you know specials on it or something. They'll do DVD specials of Goldust, right. like, but it'll just be like the a, same one. They just rename you'll it get the a, remastered a, Goldust story. I was gonna say you'll get a, you'll get a 4K video of the uh, backlot brawl with Roddy Piper or some shit like remastered. that. Remastered. Um, no, I uh, or Luna Vachon, the real story or some shit like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I will say that, uh, honestly, I think, I don't think that it's quite like the Flair thing and that Flair didn't have a case. He was just flapping his gums. Cody actually has a case. Correct. Flair was so just pissed off that Flair, got, Flair just needs got, money. Got. <laughs> like, Cody's doing it because he wants he wants to do something with it. Flair just needs actual money because he's a goddamn Flair. So, um. I will say the only other headline that I had was the uh, Corey Graves Moro Ronaldo thing from this past weekend, which got kind of got me feeling some kind of way. I got, I'm not gonna lie. Well, get up on that soapbox and ride if you're feeling some kind of way. Because I mean, listen, I saw it all break out. I saw uh, initially Triple H had come out and said all three members of the NXT roster uh, announced team were going to be involved with Survivor Series. Right. And then we get to Survivor Series no Moro Ronella. And we get this li- literally like shitty, lame-ass cop-out from Michael Cole saying the excuses. He blew his voice out at right. the uh, end of the uh, War Games match, the men's War right. Games match. So much so that he can't talk, so they just didn't, didn't bring right. him on. But he'll be back on Wednesday. Now, and, then, and there's so all this other shit that's circling it, too. So the, so the backstory behind it, if you've known Ronaldo uh, or followed him at all, he has been a very big advocate for mental health. He actually has uh, bipolar disorder and has been very upfront about it. Um, when he first got his gig with WWE as the voice of SmackDown, he left the show. Um, there was a lot of rumors because of it being about bullying from JBL, which turned out to be false. But he went into a pretty major depressive episode um, following that. And really because of a lot of the travel schedule. Well, that's why he ended up with NXT, and because he can stay in Orlando or wherever that uh, pay-per-view needs to be at, but it's very less strenuous on him. But there have been a, a history of, you know, the guys had some issues with uh, bipolar disorder and, you know, things happening with him. So fast forward to this weekend, and after TakeOver War Games... I can't remember what the original tweet was, but Corey Graves subtweeted someone um, saying along the lines of, man, you couldn't even hear uh, Nigel or you couldn't even hear Beth because Mara was just freaking out too much. And, uh, you know, kind of being a real shitty subtweet of it. And then somebody asked him, you know, how many how many uh, pop culture references did he make? And, and Graves like, way too fucking many. And just some really shitty take on it. But none of which actually calling out Morrow specifically. No, no adding him. No, actually tagging him anything. 
but just, you know, kind of uh, passive-aggressively, just snidely remarking towards him. And it's then, like sub-level bullying, dude. Right. Well, then you get uh, Ronaldo immediately deletes his Twitter, like less than 24 hours after the fact, and then we get the excuse for why he's not at Survivor Series when he's in Chicago for War Games. So he's not, it's not like he's not there. So it sparks this debate of was Graves being a bully and, you know, how dare he go after Morrow? Well, honestly, the criticism itself of Morrow being very animated, very loud, and very uh, heavy on the pop culture references, those are all true. Like, completely taken bias out of it. The dude does go heavy on the rap references and anything else. And he is extremely animated. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Morrow. I think he's the best announcer WWE has. That's what makes and, him him. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, he's, he is, to me, one of the best announcers in the gig, regardless of WWE, regardless of promotion, regardless of sport. He's great on MMA. So I love the guy to death. Don't take this as criticism of him. But he can be. I can see why somebody would call him overbearing. The problem is Graves being snarky and Graves being, you know, this passive-aggressive bullshit, it's not like... If, if if you have a problem with somebody, and I don't I don't think Graves is being a bully. I think he's an asshole. I don't think he's a bully. I think he's a dick. He's not trying to, you know, you know, go after and make somebody feel like shit. He just thinks that being edgy is what makes him cool. That's why he has his, like... After the Bell podcast, where he gets to shoot the shit, like he, to me, comes off as just as a human being, not as a not as a WWE personality, but as a person, is massively up his own ass. Oh yeah, for sure. And does it make what he said wrong? No. Does it make what he said uh, rude or inconsiderate? Absolutely. If you get something to criticize somebody, if you want to make it a constructive criticism thing. To a fellow colleague that's doing the same job as you? Shoot a text. Well, even if you're not in a text, you're in the same fucking city. Stop at, stop there after, you know, war games and say, hey, you might want to re- rent it back in a little bit. Something like that. That's fine. This is great. Corey Graves, who's gone on the record, is deleting, or saying he's going to delete his own Twitter because he's tired of people bitching over social media and not saying it to somebody's face. Let's, uh, let's call that kettle a little blacker. Like uh, blackest of the black, right? Like, again, do I think Corey's being a bully here? Not necessarily. It's valid criticism, even if it made a shitty way. Do you see what Shamrock said? Uh, Frank Shamrock, yeah, pretty much uh, said, "I'll rearrange your face." Yeah, he said he he posted a thing that was. People think nowadays you can say something behind a screen and not have to own up to it or something. Um, right. And then he, and it, he posted some iced tea fucking right uh, quote, but it was just like, yeah, man, fucking get it. Like, and again, this is after Graves has bitched about somebody doing that exact thing. So he just comes off as this is is Ronaldo kind of unbearable at times. I can see why somebody would say that. That's fine. It's a valid criticism. But man, you're an asshole. Like you're just a dick. You're just this fucking. I saw somebody say he looks like he should be the he really wants to be the stand up bass player of a rockabilly band. Oh, and speaking yeah. of someone who went and saw Necromantics this the, <laughs> over the spring, I've been to a few rockabilly shows. I fucking love them. 
if, if you never listened to the horror pops, check the shit out. Love them. But, yeah, he's a dick. He's a dick. He is exactly that guy. Um, shout out to Mr. Uh, Alex Watts, the uh, one of our one of my co-hosts from or co-stars with uh, Dungeons with Dudes. Hell yeah, he's like a pizza cutter. He is all edge and no point. And <laughs> yeah, I, I just at some point just stop talking, dude. You're not you're not cool. You're not funny. You're kind of an ass. But that's as far as the as the. Rapid fire headlines. I think that's we've covered everything on that regard. <laughs> Hell yeah! Where to now, man? What should we? Where should we travel down next? We kind of are uh, right can, at war games and Survivor Series, kind of. We can do the uh, we can do the rundown from the busy week that WWE had, the busy weekend, or we could go into the uh, top ten. And the spoiler: yes, I do have a top ten this week. <laughs> let's let's close with the top ten and someone to watch. We'll do the WWE stuff sure. right now in this in this middle juicy bit. All right. Um, so just a little bit of a preface since we were not able, we, you may have noticed we haven't done the, uh, hot tag to ourselves this week. Uh, we are doing this one big show this week. So I have a backlog of a little over two weeks worth of matches to go back through. And when I make my top five list, I try to, you know, I'll call out matches or I'll write down matches that, that I've seen throughout the week in my just unholy amount of wrestling that I usually watch, um, to kind of run back over. And I'll call my top five out of that. Well, this time my list was something like almost twenty-five or thirty matches. So I, I texted Fearless Leader here and said, uh, "You know, I, I'm going to have to do a top ten because otherwise I'm going to have nothing. This is going to be too hard of a top five. So we do have a top ten. And uh, I mentioned to you off air that if we'd have done this show last week, this list would look massively different because. War games and Survivor Series, uh, with a few here and there, were fucking great shows. So that ended up taking over and changing a lot of this list. Um, I do want to change. Uh, start with a little bit of an honorable mention. Uh, I did catch Impact again last week, and uh, I want to call it Impact because their product right now. I'm not going to say that they're the best or that their match quality is better than anybody else. They've still got a ways to go. But they've got a product that's turning right along. They've got some definite progress coming. Uh, they had themselves a nice little show um, leading up to uh, they had a gauntlet match. Uh, this last recent episode of Impact, about an hour long, um, that was uh, Moose, Daga, Rich Swan, Michael Elgin, uh, Brian Cage, and Tessa Blanchard. And ended up being a really good gauntlet match. Um, I, I would say probably the best one that I've seen since uh, Kofi's. Um, where you start off with Moose and Daga being the Haas and the Speedy guy. And then you get Moose and Rich Swan, who is a fantastic cruiserweight, uh, going the distance against Big Moose. And ended up uh, against Elgin, who is a this beast of a human being. And uh, beats Rich up to the point where he's like spitting up blood. You have a great, great baby face built in that. Um, ending up with Tessa Blanchard winning the show. Like uh, Swan got a great run through. Uh, you have Cage and Tessa who are good friends fighting that in the last uh, the last uh, section of it, and ends up being a really, really good show. Shit, so hey, got me wanting to watch to, it, man. Yeah, definitely give you a chance to watch that back. It's not bad. Uh, moving into the top ten proper, uh, I had a chance to watch Slamilton, 
uh, which was Black Label Pro. It's the first time I've gotten to sit down and watch a Black Label Pro show. Uh, Black Label is a promotion out of Crown Point, Indiana, actually, right in your neck of the woods. Um, and runs a lot of uh, folks that I see on Beyond and, and a few other shows. Well, this was a uh, their main event at Slamilton was an Iron Man tag team match between a team called Violence is Forever, which is Dominic Guarini, a former MMA guy, and Kevin Koo. And the work horsemen, uh, who are regulars over on Evolve, uh, that'd be Anthony Henry and James Drake. And I've seen my fair share of Iron Man matches, and they tend to be... Uh, they tend to run kind of samey to me. Like, they end up having the same, like, the same spots or the same rest holds. You have the, you know, the underdog coming from behind to try to get in the last fall at the last second kind of deal. But they changed the structure up. This is the first uh, Iron Man match where I think it ended up being like nine to six falls. Like, it was a ridiculous amount of actual pinfalls and kind of changed the structure up a little bit. Nice. Uh, Workhorsemen, I've watched enough of them on Evolve. They have a great. Uh, tag team rapport. Uh, James Drake is a big dude. Uh, you wouldn't. He kind of reminds me of a bit of a chubbier Arn Anderson type. Um, fairly big guy, but does a lot of really good spots. Uh, good match. Greeny brings a lot of MMA to it. Um, but the structure itself is a good reason to check that match out. If you get a chance to watch, it's a really, really solid, good Iron Man match. Which you don't see very often. Shit. Yeah, uh, it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah, Black Label Pro is a cool show. Uh, it's definitely a different promotion. I'm going to try to get up up to your neck of the woods to go see one of their shows here coming up if I can. Uh, I think they've got one coming up in January. That uh, Hell, I've seen uh, Brian Alvarez has been on their card more than a few times. Nice. Uh, Dan Housen's a regular there. I think uh, Orange Cassidy was a regular there. Matter of fact, uh, their opening match of the night was a uh, tag team title match that ended up with uh, Ethan Page from Impact. Danhausen and Swoggle winning the tag team titles. Wow, that's out of weird. nowhere. So I mean, just fun show. Um, speaking of Beyond, number nine was from Uncharted Territory uh, this past week on the twenty first. Um, you and I talked a little bit about it. I raved to you over the messenger about it. Uh, Orange Cassidy and John Silver. Um, you and I've talked a lot about the freshly squeezed one, and I've actually mentioned uh, John Silver the last couple weeks. Uh, having some great matches on uh, Uncharted Territory. Uh, this was, there's a, there's some, I think, I think I called it out on the Facebook page. A good Orange Cassidy match is a, is a great match. When you get a really solid match from him, they can be fucking magical, and this one was definitely that. Um, they ran back some of the greatest hits from the Jervis Cotton Billy match. Um, and the recent, it got to the really hard-hitting, you know, where he fought David Starr kind of thing, where the gimmick kind of fades away. But unique match in that uh, when the serious stuff didn't help Silver enough, he walked to the back and comes back in denim and aviators of his own as the <laughs> name uh, Banana John. <laughs> and they just mirrored each other for a solid probably five or ten minutes. Uh, Cassidy tries to put his hands in his pants. Silver puts his own hands in Cassidy's pants. <laughs> Um, they did the, again, they did the, uh, Jervis spot. They did a, the 30% super kicks dueling and probably the most ingenious spot I've ever seen in an orange Cassidy match. He goes to do the orange mist, grabs the orange juice, uh, go to just open it, drink it and do the mist. As soon as he opens it, silver snatches it out of his hands and chugs the whole thing. Of orange juice. 
Oh right my god, that would hurt your stomach during a wrestling match. Well, yeah, oh. but just chugs the thing and just says, <clears throat> it. Cassie grabs it and like dumps what's left of it out. And there's nothing there, and just this look of absolute rage, <laughs> and just goes a ham on Silver afterwards. Fucking fantastic structured match. Fun as hell. Great Orange Cassidy match. It's something to see. Definitely check it out. Um, number eight off of uh, Uncharted Territory from the 14th, uh, Mercedes Martinez and Chris Statlander. Uh, Statlander, who got a little bit of a showcase on Dark last week. Um, both of them, Statlander's an up-and-comer. I think you'll probably see on AEW before long. They've already seemed to got their eye on her. She got a nice spotlight in that match uh, on Dark. Uh, Martinez is a legend. Just an absolute legend. She had one of my favorite matches of the year against David Starr a couple weeks back. And this one was just slightly under that. Like a great women's match. Great match in its own right. Uh, Martinez is one of the best women's wrestlers on the planet. Bar none. And it's amazing to me that she's not signed somewhere. Statlander's a youngster. She's an up-and-comer. And I think she's got a really good future ahead of her. The two of them had a banger of a match. Well worth checking out. Um, and then we get into uh, number seven was the uh, men's Survivor Series match, which I know we're getting into stuff I'm pretty sure you've you've seen as well. Yes, sir. Um, so the men's Survivor Series match, the last couple of years has been pretty good, uh, with the exception of Shane almost dying a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. Um, but this match, they uh, the first time they've in- integrated NXT and had three teams, and. Great match, great Survivor Series tag team match. The ending was amazing. I'm a big Keith Lee fan, and seeing Keith Lee get the rub of pinning Rollins and damn near getting Reigns out as well, and getting the the acknowledgement from Reigns at the end, the crowd was hot as shit. Great finish. Uh, The only thing keeping it lower on the list was that the finish was the best part of the match. Let me ask you a question about this. In, 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 In your decision... Does Walter's extremely untimely early uh, elimination that pissed me off. take away that for it from you? It did. Um, the two things that kind of kept it away from me was Walter getting eliminated too early, which I I can kind of see if they're – really NXT UK did not have a great showing at Survivor Series at all. But uh, Tony Storm got eliminated pretty quickly in hers. But – at least Walter got to showcase himself a little bit before he got out. I don't like him being the first out. I would have liked to have seen more with him and uh, Strowman especially. So that counted it out a little bit. And really, the Ricochet and Shorty G stuff, like Ali wasn't used quite enough to my extent. Like, there was a lot of things that they could have done and didn't. Uh, I do like Reigns eliminating Corbin because of him being the insufferable douche that he is. Uh, there were some good story beats to it. I think it just kind of sagged in the middle a little bit. Uh, it was kind of why I ended up catching it down. Like, really, if you take away the ending of that match, it's not that great. Like, it's cool to see all those people in the ring together, but with you without the ending of Keith Lee going ham on two-thirds of the shield, that match isn't quite as memorable. At least not to me. I absolutely agree. Um, number six, uh, we have the Phoenix-Nick uh, Jackson match, which... I had the privilege of seeing both live and on TV. And trust me when I say it didn't lose a bit going from one to the other. Those two have great chemistry. They've had great chemistry as tag teams. 
Um, they kick the living hell out of each other. Um, only reason it's this far down the list is because really there weren't any stakes to it. Uh, there wasn't really much storyline to it. It was just kind of a thrown together thing. Still a great match. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic fucking match. And I'm in awe of watching uh, Phoenix in person. The guy is just lighter than air. Oh, yeah. He's moves like he's not even human. Um, but, yeah, hell of a match. The fucking uh, kip up into a super kick spot went over with the crowd like nothing else. It was amazing. Great match. I love I'm, – I'm a big fan of the Black Fire Driver. Uh, Phoenix is finished that he doesn't really get to use in tag team wrestling so much. So, great match. A lot of fun. Uh, definitely well worth watching if you haven't seen yet. Um, number five, my personal dream match on the show, Darby Allen and John Moxley. Um, I have been a Moxley fan for years, so getting to see both of them live was unbelievably fun. Um, and it went pretty much the way you would want it to. Uh, Alan is the plucky baby face that just won't say die. Came out of the ring like a fucking madman coming to get the uh, tope as soon as Moxley was walking up to the ring. Um, and Mox just beats the snot out of him. Pillar to post. Excuse me, wraps him up in the body bag. They didn't quite do as much with the body bags I would have hoped. I've seen our, uh, Alan do matches with that before and do a lot worse. I've seen him take power bombs while in the body bag, for God's sake. Oh. So, taking a few stomps, it kind of, I wanted to see them do a little more with it. But still an absolute great match. Love the psychology of uh, stomping on Mox's hand when he's got his uh, fingers trapped in the buckle. And that fucking paradigm shift off the second rope. It is one of the nastiest looking bumps I've seen anybody take. Like... When uh, Darby goes up for it, I see it. You see it coming, and it was honestly pointed straight at me. Like it was the opposite turnbuckle from where I'm sitting, and I could so look straight at both of them. So you got a nice vantage on it. Oh, I had a great view of it, and I thought, "Oh my god, he's gonna die. Oh Darby my is gonna god. get himself fucking killed." And that landing was just sick, <laughs> and the crowd again sold that thing like somebody just got shot in the middle of the ring. It was unbelievable. Oh. Um, only thing keeping it in the the bottom half of the list, or really right at number five, I would have, like I said, I would like to see a little more with the uh, the body bag and maybe a little more fight from Darby, not a little more offense in. But I can't take away from the match; it was fantastic to watch live. Do you think they're going to end up with a lights out match uh, um, uh, with uh, Mox and uh, Darby? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. I'm not sure that we've seen the end of the feud. Um. I could see Allen coming back for more. But I don't think... If they go to a lights-out match, it won't be for a little while. I think they'll build up to it a little bit more. Okay. I'm I'm in agreement with that. Uh, number four, I had the men's War Games match. Um, honestly, they've not had a bad War Games match to me in the three years that they've done it. Undisputed Era always performs in them, and it performs well. Um, and great spots, great amount of uh, psychology in it. I love uh, uh, the crowd wanted tables the whole night long, and finally Cole gets the tables out. The crowd goes absolutely apeshit, and then Cole gets dumped through one of them <laughs> within 30 seconds Woo. before he even gets into the ring. That side ring spot was sick. Right. I do have to. I want to shout out uh, a quick spot in that match. Uh, Dijakovic, something I noticed in both of his matches last week, the ladder match with Cole and the War Games match, 
he had a spot in both matches where he choked Sam's somebody uh, through either the ladder or the table kind of at an angle. And if you watch him, he doesn't just, you know, grab your neck and, and push you through it or kind of, you know, drop you through like a normal choke slam. He turns, pivots, and puts some oomph behind it. Oh, yeah, he uh, drives it. Oh, yeah, he throws it like a goddamn fastball. <laughs> and that table, I can't remember, I think it was either O'Reilly or Fish that went through the table in the War Games match. That table exploded. thought it was Like, it didn't just break, strong, it actually. detonated. Uh, when he threw uh, Cole into the, into the ladder on Wednesday night, Cole fucking bounced. <laughs> that looked so rough. And it's, I've only ever seen, Dijakovic's the only person I've ever seen that kind of spin or torque on a chokeslam. And that, I, I respect the hell out of that. That's cool. Um, obviously, great match throughout, great drama. Um, building up to, I don't know if it's going to be topped all year. Spot of the night, spot of the show, spot of the fucking year for me is that air raid crash off the top of the cage through the tables. Does this top the darts? I think it does. I think so, too, because it was I think a brutal, fucking dangerous looking. Holy shit. I can't believe they're going to try this spot. Spot. I, I was watching that. I think I watched the show before you did, and I think I sent you a text. I was standing up in my living room as they were getting ready and kind of positioning going, no, no, don't do it. No, no. Oh, no. Oh, my fucking God. No. And, you know. Both of them. You got to think of this. Cole takes that bump on the top of his neck almost. Oh, yeah. Like, Champa protected him as much as he can, but Cole's a fucking psycho for taking that bump. That table uh, Especially on top of the exploded. ladder match. Oh, God. And let's not discount the fact the guy that gave him the, the bump, Champa, this is his first major match coming off a of fucking neck surgery. Like, he, there was a prognosis of him not coming back, period. And now he's coming off a of reconstructed neck to do that? You fucking madman. <laughs> like, I... And it, honestly, it's the first time I've heard commentary. We talked about Morrow earlier. Actually yells the words, Jesus, <laughs> on a WWE program. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty brutal. Just uh, shocking unbelievable. moment. Unbelievable. And you know what I loved about that moment? Honestly, in the finish, when he hit, he just... Didn't he just sprawled out and let the pin happen right. as if they were both KO'd? It was perfect. Right. Um, I do want to point out they did make a point to show Britt Baker in the audience after the spot, which eh, I know uh, they asked Triple H about it in the conference call afterwards, and he said, "Well, our cameraman didn't know who she was." Yeah, bullshit, <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but um, even so. Hell of a War Games match. Hell of a match in general. That's one of the things that NXT just does better than anybody else. Like, they put on a main event match like no one else can. Absolutely agree. Absolutely fantastic. However, I actually have the women's War Games match at number three beating it. That had more stakes, dude, and they played it up so well. Had more stakes. Uh, I like that they involved, they got the toys out before everybody was even in the full match. Like they had chairs and uh, and spots and shit. Rhea before. got out chairs and right. kendo sticks and trash cans. Right, all before they had everybody involved and locked in the cage. And they had a dynamite heel turn from uh, Dakota Kai right in the middle of the match. 
Which was and, unexpected. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you could kind of see... I'm not going to say completely unexpected, because when Mia Yim gets taken out before the show and Kai gets put in there, you can kind of see there's a chance of a heel turn here. Not yeah. necessarily they're going to go through with it, but you can see, okay, they might be doing that. But she pulls it off and pulls it off well. Just kicks uh, Knox straight in the face screams back up at Ripley to where they had to actually cut out the audio for a second, which is great touch. And then rips the knee brace off and just wails on her, you know, destroyed knee with the iron door for a solid minute and a half. Dakota Kai also attacked Regal. Right. Yeah. Uh, Regal comes out and grabs her off and she throws him, which fucking hell of a move. Also, I love her yelling, you know, you know, her justification of Ripley calling her a wasted pick. There's some yeah. justification for it, and the best heel turns have that justification. Totally. But great spot, and it made for a unique match. One of the things about War Games is that they needed to have, with both the two matches going into it, there's some danger of fatigue throughout the show. Like, there's some danger of having two War Games matches. Okay, now you're repeating yourself. We've all yeah, seen it, WWE do that with Hell in a Cell. Yep. But they changed the format enough the women got the weapons out first. Men didn't. The women's match ended up being a four-on-two. That's unique. Uh, I love, love the callback from them putting the uh, the handcuffs on Ripley to her cuffing herself to Baszler and pulling off her finisher onto those chairs. Sick Great finish spot. with the riptide. Great spot. Those chairs did not budge an inch. <laughs> uh, Baszler looks like a champ for taking it. Ripley looks like a fucking war goddess for, you know, soldiering through. Uh, Candace goes ham with the fucking uh, a kendo stick on, uh, I think it was, oh. Bianca Belair, she, dude. It was Belair that she went off on with the uh, sticks. She had lit Bianca Belair's yeah, she ass did. up for like 45 seconds. There were some of the hardest kendo stick hits. Right? I have ever seen in wrestling that, or they've got new kendo sticks that make special noises right. that sound worse, because, woo! And then, you, and then you've got uh, Kaylee Ray doing the Poison Rana off the top, which was ridiculous. Absolutely blew my mind, dude. That was, that was one of the craziest spots. I think I texted you during that. Yeah, you did. And then you have EO doing a moonsault off the goddamn top of the cage onto two people. Ricochet does a double and ends up on six. She's on two. Whew. Fucking madman. And then, uh, again, not even after, uh, not done after she gets dropped on her head with the Poison Rana, Kaylee Ray goes up for a, a top rope spot and gets blasted with a trash can. Woo, that was sick too, huh? Swung for the fences. So just a hardcore, great story, great heel turns, great personalities. Love Baszler healing it up when uh, she got called in after Knox's uh, gotten beat down, just great all the way through. Solid match, exactly what they needed, and match of the night there for me. By the um, way, I wanted to ask something. Sure. You mentioned when you were talking about the women's match, they used some of the silence to silence what she was screaming down the ramp. Right. They sure as fuck didn't get that silence with Ciampa. I, I didn't catch Ciampa. What did he say? Dude, Ciampa literally coming to the ring. Go watch the footage back. He is motherfuck this. Let's fucking go that. Like, <laughs> woo. And you can even hear Ronello like, reacts to it like, oh, he's fired up tonight. 
I do know uh, on Sunday night, I actually saw the clip of it. I think they had it on cage side um, after uh, Becky dumps uh, Baszler off the uh, off the announce table, and she's standing tall. You hear her look up, my fucking show, <laughs> and uh, they had the camera straight on her, so that you couldn't hear anything, but you could absolutely see it. <laughs> I oh, think yeah. there may be you might be able to catch a little bit of the audio there too. So maybe just a little a uh, little rough week on uh, the tape delay. Oh well, let um, it fly, man. We're in a new era of wrestling. Definitely, they say shit on TV, man. We're gonna go do some cowboy shit. <laughs> um, number two, I have uh, also from Survivor Series was uh, Pete Dunne and Adam Cole, which I'm not gonna lie, I'm completely biased. I am a huge Pete Dunne fan, um, but they had. The best way I can put it, they had an NXT TakeOver main event caliber match. In the middle of Survivor Series. series. Yeah. And it was the best match on the show. It I absolutely, absolutely agree. Great build. I thought Pete actually had the title. I thought he, I actually there. thought he was going to win it going in. I thought they had finally gotten the, the excuse for why Cole could lose with the week that he had had. Um, I thought Dunn is kind of... One that Triple H really likes, and having the having the the change come on Survivor Series was a great move, I thought. But I'm also not mad at Cole winning. That was a hell of a match. Um, they both sold extremely well. Um, coming off of War Games, uh, Cole sold his, uh, I believe, arm, and Dunn sold his leg the entire way through, or ribs, I guess, for Cole the whole way through, and. Just great spots, great uh, psychology. You get great psychology anytime Dunn's in a ring with anybody. Uh, Cole is not a spot fest wrestler. Uh, he is very much a psychology guy and has great timing. So those two are just very, very good chemistry between the two of them. Um, I do find it a little funny that, you know, as recently as last year or even a year or so ago, pile drivers weren't even allowed on any kind of WWE programming. And here you got a fucking destroyer on the apron Ooh, and then brutal. finishing up with the uh, spot of the match to be was how in the unholy hell did Adam Cole flip a Panama sunrise out of the bitter end? That was that crazy. Ridiculous body control. Like just absolutely blew me out of the fucking water. Um, I mean, it wasn't perfect. Let's be real, but it looked no, it like was a it was not yeah. perfect, which made it awesome. Yeah, it made it look more real. It made it look more like that was actually a struggle to do. Um, and actually, let me ask you real quick. That men's war games match, uh, we didn't even mention Kevin Owens coming out in it. Which oh, was the shit. Yeah, that was a cool shocker. But uh, he took that uh, Panama Sunrise on the diamond plate in the middle of the ring. And, <sighs> hey, the noise it made was perfect. Like, he just thudded down. Boom. But did you notice that it took Cole a couple of tries to get him over? Yeah, and I think I liked it because it gave it that, again, the more realistic struggle. Like, he wasn't just able to manhandle. It doesn't make sense for him to manhandle. Right. And they kinda, they, I like the way they covered for it, too. <laughs> they put it over as uh, Owens was trying to backdrop him through it, and it didn't quite work. Yep. But you could kind of tell they just didn't have the space to quite get it off the right way. Like, they may have been a little too narrow, and they couldn't quite get the, the spacing they needed. But they made it fucking work, and it was an awesome spot. Uh, oh, yeah. Cole is a hell of a wrestler when he needs to be. Um, and honestly, that would have been my match of the week, except 
Did you watch NXT last week? I actually missed NXT last week. As soon as the show is over, you need to go and watch that because one of the best tag team matches I have ever seen was on that show. Was it the Revival versus The Revival and the Undisputed Era is a five-star fucking classic tag team match. Shit. One of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. Even in a week, two weeks of great wrestling stuff, as hard as this list was to make, there was no question about what the top was. Wow. Um, That says something. The two of them, those two teams are both two of the best on the planet already. Both of them at the absolute top of their game. That match was awesome. Um, Great callbacks to past matches. Um, The two of them had great chemistry together. Hard-hitting as shit, stiff as hell. Uh, Great psychology. You always get great psychology from the Revival, who actually, in a way, kind of played faces in this. Um, Both of them, honestly, there was almost a tweener match between both of them. No one wanted to boom. No one wanted to cheer him, but they just fucking lost their minds. Everybody did. Um, I will say a couple cool spots. Uh, They had Dawson as the hot tag, and not even really as a hot tag, but coming in and doing it methodically, doing that intentionally in a hot tag spot. Uh, uh, Kyle O'Reilly drops a knee on the small of the back from uh, onto onto uh, onto. Dawson from the top that is the nastiest landing I've ever seen a knee hit with. Ooh. Like, it looked like it cut him in half. Um, the two of them, the, those two teams beat the living shit out of each other. And great ending. Absolutely phenomenal match. So, if you get half a chance, it's like a 15-minute match, watch it, you know, grab a beer, grab some popcorn, watch that shit, and love it. <laughs> Well, I mean, I got nothing after this podcast, so I think I'm going to do that when I'm after I'm go, done editing the show, man. I'll uh, kick back and Absolutely watch some wrestling. Um, so, yeah, that's the uh, the top ten, as it were. All right, so I got to know, man. First of all, I love the top ten. I think there's a lot of great matches in there. There's a couple matches. Like, I need to see the the John Silver-Orange Cassidy match. It's on my list. Mm-hmm. You got me interested in the uh, in the first tag match you mentioned. Uh, the Violence is Forever Workhorseman. Yeah, uh, and I mean, obviously some of the other matches I saw were spectacular. Uh, did it? Did it make it, nice it difficult see, uh, for you? And I, I just do. I have one question on this. Did it sure. make it difficult for you on this one? Because I think that if next episode I do a top five, like three of those five are probably going to be from Dynamite because I was actually there. Was it hard to not? want to put stuff that you physically were there for at the top of this list? Um, yes and no. Um, being there obviously made it a better show or better match to me, uh, getting to see a different perspective on it. That's why I went back and watched it the next day. I wanted to make sure it was still fresh in my mind. Um, so I wanted to see a little bit different angle, see what everybody else saw to it, if there's anything I noticed differently. Um, the only reason that the two those two matches didn't get higher, if this would have been... Uh, before Survivor Series weekend, those would have been my top two matches, without a doubt. The Allen would have been uh, Allen Moxley would have been number one. Jackson Phoenix would have been number two, beyond all doubt. Um, but because of just a couple little, little things here and there that I could pick out of it, um, whether that be storyline, no stakes, whatever the case was, 
I still have to rank a couple of things I think have stakes or a lore put better, put together a little bit better over them. Um, it was, you know, honestly, it wasn't as difficult to put those higher on the list because watching them, you you could tell they were a great. It was a great match, regardless of being there or not. Like it was going to be a great match on TV. So that made it a little easier to to say I'm not gonna I'm gonna put this high on the list, and it's not just because I'm there. It's because it was a great fucking match. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, I gotta know now. Who do we watch? Who's the guy to look for? Who should uh, be we keep up on our wrestling radars? Um, this guy is someone that I haven't really talked much about Evolve uh, in the past. Um, I've seen a few of his matches. I couldn't quite find. I didn't have quite enough time to find a uh, a few matches on YouTube of his to watch. But um, the reason I wanted to bring him up is you'll be seeing him in WWE pretty soon. A guy named Austin Theory. Okay. Uh, he is in the most recent signee class for NXT. Is why I wanted to mention him. He'll be actually. You will get a chance to see him very soon. Um, he is a younger guy. I think he's like 22, 23, um, out of, I want to say Georgia or Alabama, somewhere in the South, uh, trained by AR Fox. So got a good backing, uh, started with full impact pro. Um, if you got to watch any WWN or remember uh, flow slam a couple years ago, uh, I got into WWN then, uh, watched a, a good amount of evolve and, uh, kind of got brought in through evolve. Then he is, to me, he looks like he's kind of a body guy, like a John Cena type uh, bodybuilder esque, but a little bit smaller. Um, but he has the personality of an Adam Cole, and really, that's honestly the closest thing I can think of to compare him to would be Adam Cole. Um, a little more heavy on the work rate. He's still pretty green, um, but great personality. Uh, plays the absolute like shithead. I'm the champion, I'm the most perfect thing in the world, Adam Cole-type personality. And I could say that when Cole finally moves up to the main roster, if they move him up to the main roster, um, I could see somebody like an Austin Theory taking the place of an Adam Cole. Excuse me. Not not you know usurping him in the Undisputed Era or anything, but taking that character type, being that archetype for NXT when Cole leaves, that Austin Theory is going to be the next guy up for that particular type of character excuse um, me excuse me wait one second now excuse sure. me nxt is the main roster i know i know <laughs> but and really it i think the whole intent of survivor series was to put that fact really and like stamp that into the concrete but, oh yeah they made that evident because yes. they had them kind of steamroll the whole event right but uh i think that like i said i think theory is going to be a guy that is someone you'll probably be seeing if he clicks with NXT, and I think he will. He's very groomed for WWE's uh, style of matches. Um, I think he's somebody that you'll probably get eyes on, and will probably be figure into a lot of things coming up. Sweet. Um, we'll also say if you get a chance to look at his, uh, if you do look him up on YouTube, he has one of the coolest looking finishers I can ever see. Um, and truthfully, I don't even know how to call it. It's called a taxia. Um, I'll try putting a link up to it on the uh, Facebook page probably uh, after this episode airs. Um, Almost like a half pump handle into a bitter end, but completely flipping the opponent 180 degrees. It's a a weird-looking thing, but, man, it looks like it hits pretty hard. It's like a a scorpion death drop it it, it ends up being? 
Um, when you flip the 180, or is it? I, I, I th- I'm just gonna have. It's to almost it. it's like I'm a head over heels that. 180. Like they legitimately go from like it's a face plant. It's an into an STO like the bitter end, uh, kind of from a almost a sideways pump handle. It's really hard to describe, uh, but very cool. Uh, I don't think there's any chance of hell in him hitting it on a uh, a bigger guy, but if they move him with a lot of the cruiser weights, which I could see. That's a move that a lot of people are going to be able to sell really well. Hell so yeah, definitely, man. definitely cool to watch. I hope he gets to keep it in the WWE. Uh, but yeah, Austin Theory would be one to watch. Fuck yeah! Well, Buckles, I'm going to ask you to do me a kind favor and sure. riff about wrestling, whatever you want to talk about for a few minutes, because all of a sudden the Podfather has to take a tinkle break. What? <laughs> I like it to take it over a little bit. Okay, oh, so boy, you're taking over. I'm going to, I'm going to actually give you the hot tag. Here we go. Oh, boy, that's fun. Um, I do want to take a couple of minutes. Um, I've talked about uh, Beyond Wrestling. I've talked about uh, the last couple of weeks a lot about uh, oh, the IWTV app, the independent wrestling stuff. And one of the cooler things that I got to experience over the week uh, when I was at the, uh, at the uh, Dynamite taping was that there are so many different people and so much wrestling in the world right now that you can really start to see not just WWE shirts for everything. Uh, even at an AEW show, there wasn't just AEW shirts everywhere. I got to see, you know, Joey Ryan stuff. There was, I did see somebody in a couple Beyond shirts. I was wearing a Beyond shirt. And you could see these fans, like other people, you know, complimenting each other. I got called out for my, my Beyond shirt. I actually had a great conversation with a dude who's uh, trying to put together a... Uh, Heroes and Legends show for Vincennes in the end of this year. And got to talk with him a little bit about just how cool it is to see that wrestling is in such a boom period where you have people from all different countries, all different walks of life, and all areas of the country now that you can see them in. Uh, like I said earlier, uh, Black Label Pro out of Crown Point, you have Freelance out of Chicago. Uh, there's a lot of stuff coming in, like the Full Impact Pro is out of Florida, uh, beyond out of out of uh, out of the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You have almost these territories coming up again, and you've started to see people that are going from show to show, going from from uh, independent scene to independent scene, from territory to territory. Guys like Orange Cassidy, Warhorse, Danhausen, John Silver. Um, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit. That's not a good thing, but. They are doing this wonderful job of bringing the Indies back and the territories back. And it's a great time to be a wrestling fan because of it. AEW is kind of at the forefront of this new, I'm not going to call it a youth movement, but this new movement, this uh, idea that WWE is not the only thing around. And they're going to get the most press for it because they have the most banking. But there are so many other options to check out now, whether that's, you know, Bizarro Lucha at Indianapolis or, hell, watch Kaiju Big Battle from Japan where they're wrestling in costumes and, and kicking over you, fucking buildings. I, I think you said it best, though, Buckles, honestly, and I'm back, so spoiler alert, I'm back from my pee. <laughs> um, but Cody really said it best when he says, no one entity owns pro wrestling. We Absolutely. own pro wrestling. Absolutely. And that's the truth. Absolutely. Go into the show and you'll you'll get to see it tomorrow night. It's so cool to see how many people 
you know, are just fans of not just one promotion. They're not just there to see AEW. They're there to see wrestling. They're there to see people they may have followed in New Japan. They're there to see somebody like Orange Cassidy who's come from uh, beyond. Uh, they're going to see, you know, two guys from Mexico who they've gotten to follow through Lucha Underground and through AAA, through CMLL. Um, and then you get to see guys like Billy Gunn who, holy shit, we get to see somebody we've watched for years. There's something in it for everybody and a way to embrace all of that. And it's so cool to see a crowd embracing all of that now. Um, kind of a little bit of a spoiler to me. Uh, the vibe I got from it, I go to Gen Con every year. I'm a gamer. That's why I'm on Dungeons with the Dudes half the time. I am a board gamer, video gamer at heart. And I love going to Gen Con in Indy every year because you feel like you're at home. You're among people that are of the same mindset. You're No one's judging anybody else. You're there because you love the same thing. You're like, ah, and, peers. Yep, exactly. I love going to Gen Con for that every year. I've gone for the last five years. And going to that AAA, or AAA, going to that AEW show was the same vibe. You see people that are there to see the same thing. You have the same interest. You're cheering for the same people. You're looking at the guy next to you who you didn't know from Adam 24 hours ago going, holy shit, did you see that? This is fucking great. So cool. So, so cool. Wrestling is such a cool hobby to have. <laughs> Wrestling's cool again. Yes, it is. Fuck oh, man. Yeah. Well, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit, man. I'm getting too excited. Oh, no. Don't go Mauro Ranello on I was, Damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to. Come on now. So, uh, I got to ask you. We've talked about, uh, we've act, we've talked about uh, war games quite a bit. We talked about the two war games matches. What else did you like from the show? Um, honestly, the triple threat to determine who was going to face Cole was great. And, you know, it's interesting. We didn't really bring this up, and I'm just going to quickly pull it up. I don't know what's happened, Buckles, exactly. I don't know if all of a sudden I'm just really in tune with wrestling. But I feel like I'm getting really good at knowing what they're going to do on these cards, even if it is kind of unpredictable. Kind of. Because... It's, uh, it's easy to see the wheels turning in places. Well, I mean, it's not not even necessarily that it's quote-unquote easy, but, like, uh, Team Ripley winning. I called that Ciampa. Team Ciampa's uh, win. I called that... Uh, you and I deferred on that one. I I had a Undisputed Era winning. Yeah. Uh, now, I can't remember because for some reason my brain's not working. Finn beat uh, Matt Riddle, right? Yeah, I think you had that one called. I think we both had that one called just to reestablish Balor a little bit in the in the pecking order. And the only one that I don't think I called properly was Swerve over Garza, which you said was a clean uh, match. I didn't actually get to see it for myself. But uh, yeah. I liked this card quite a bit because it's just it's NXT doing what I've been loving for the past several years. Every right. time on this show that I have ranted and raved about how much I love NXT, it's because of what they did last night. Or on on not last night, but on rather on Saturday night, uh, just putting it all out there, taking risks, having genuine uh, like shock moments, things that you you know don't necessarily expect. The heel right. turn on Dakota Kai, I didn't see that coming. You know, and then it just makes the that whole match feel impossible. Like there's no way Team Ripley can overcome, and somehow they definitely. do. You know, and it's like definitely. 
that's what's that's what wrestling is built on, man. Is those overcoming stories that makes you feel connected. Like if if when they you, can overcome this, I can overcome the shit in my life. You know, it gets you invested in it, and that's yes. something that the main that Ron SmackDown is absolutely missing. Um, to me, honestly, the the indicator to me was it was only four matches long, and you can say a lot that. You know, NXT never has these huge cards, or, but, but uh, well, yeah, there's two War Games matches. Of course, it's going to be a short card. Well, NXT is kind of known for having smaller cards. Even like five matches out of a card for them is pretty is about average. They they pick their spots very well in terms of what to put on, how much time to give it, and they put thought into what they uh, what they put on screen. Uh, NXT's creative; they're not reinventing the wheel. Like they don't have these like super cerebral you know really out there storylines they're not trying to do something completely you know off the wall they're just doing what makes sense their storylines are not hugely convoluted unless they have an injury I think honestly the two most convoluted storylines I've seen uh, were the uh, Gargano heel turn and the uh, uh, Aleister Black Velveteen Dream Feud were a little bit unconventional but even so, it's still built around the same premise of heels and faces and kind of old school storytelling. And their shows that give each match time to breathe. Uh, having only four matches on the show, they all went probably 15 minutes at least. I can and you, get in, the, you can invest in a match at that point, dude. Long. What's that? I said when they go a match that lasts at least 15 minutes it's not a squash it's not like a short we have right. to get it in cuz we're putting a match on wrestlemania and mm-hmm. there's 57 matches right like if you have 15 minutes to invest into a wrestling match you can pretty much hook anybody i don't care what right. talent you are if you're given right. time to work your craft and you're truly meant to be in that ring you're going to shine with 15 minutes it's it's exactly i think it's honestly like the the perfect window you're like 15 to 25 minute matches mm-hmm. are prime time now of course you do have exceptions right. your iron man matches that go for hour you know two right. out of three falls matches that take a little bit longer um matches with certain um rules kind of like war games that takes longer right. because of how they release the competitors uh, elimination chamber is another great example of that but like when you get to shows like nxc they've had a history of these their takeovers are always great shows it's when you watch it when you watch a takeover and it's not fantastic that's the that's the outlier like you a bad nxt show is still better than most or a bad takeover is still better than most wwe pay-per-views at this point and this one was no was no you know change from that and i think the best way i put it it was all killer no filler you sent that to me as soon as it was was over great what's that you sent that to me as soon as it was over dude Mm -hmm. watch nxt it's all killer no filler Yep, there was not a break in that. There was no letdown. There was no bathroom break match. It was just four matches that all went the right length of time and were all great matches. It got you in too deep. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's got, a Sum 41 reference, by the way. I had that album, I'm not going to lie. All killer, no filler, <laughs> yep. in too deep. Yeah. Um, and, I, again, it's kind of shown that you watch Survivor Series the next night and you always had that dichotomy the next night of, okay, well, what's WWE going to do to top this? And they give this bloated card of tons of matches that don't have, that 
don't connect as much. They may have a few moments here and there. You might get an odd great match. But by and large, the shows are more spectacle than anything. And even Survivor Series being a very good WWE card uh, still doesn't measure up. It's it's too um, Hollywood. It's too over overproduced, too much. And I think that, honestly, them adding NXT into the mix with Survivor Series was a great great call it gave you fresh matchups it gave you dream matchups in some extents it gave you the knowledge that NXT was being taken seriously by Vince and company or whether that's by his choice or by AEW forcing his hand which I think is more accurate but it was a breath of fresh air for the WWE main roster absolutely and I think it forced talent on Raw and SmackDown to like they're going to have to up their game now I think so too because now we just saw evidence of this last night on Raw when you go back to the norm you go back to Raw without having the NXT guys or without having the uh, brand warfare which I'm I'm not going to lie I love NXT being involved in it but the brand warfare brand supremacy constant run-ins that ruined a lot of shit in the last couple weeks I, I it, it honestly it ruined about half the matches that I would have liked otherwise. So I'm kind of glad to get that out of our system and go on to something else. But reverting back to the regular rosters again, you're left with a sense of oh god, now we're back to the normal again and this is not what I wanted. Like now we're back to Rollins being the main guy again and no one really wants that right now. It's weird, man. Um, I love yeah, Seth it's, Rollins. It's, I've been a Seth Rollins fan for for many, many years. I mean, I first heard of him as Tyler Black around mm-hmm. WrestleMania 30, and I mean, I think that was right after they had debuted as a Shield. So I started to kind of like right. look into his past and whatnot, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's hot!" You know, like he's going to be the next big thing. Obviously, they made him the next big thing, but they kind of instead of working Seth into a place where, how do I say this? They want him at like 2004, uh, The Rock, yeah. where he is a good guy but is kind mm-hmm. of being an asshole. But he I can think, be an asshole because he's the guy. Yeah, honestly, but Seth isn't quite the guy yet. There's something, right. an X factor. There's a match. There's right. a moment. There's a uh, a risk. I don't know what I, I can't. I can't put it in, 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 in an absolute bubble of what I know it is. But it's something I, I, lacking I may have an answer him. for you. I may have an answer for you, actually. Bring it. I I kind of had an epiphany about Seth uh, a while back, actually uh, during the Bray Wyatt feud. Um, Seth is a great wrestler. Don't get me wrong. He's one of the best workers on the roster. He's one of the best on the planet. But he is at his best when he works his style. I want to I want to bring up a comparison between him and Daniel Bryan. Sure. Now. It's a little biased because Daniel Bryan is one of the greatest of all time when it comes to ring work. But Daniel Bryan can have a good match with anybody. Seth can have a good match with some people. Seth is great when he works his pace, his style of match, and that's it. Whereas Bryan can work with anybody. Um, When Seth works his frantic, up-tempo, high-paced style, like you saw with the, the... uh, gauntlet match last year was his big turning point. 
that's a Seth Rollins style match where he is flying all over the place. He is running at a high temperature, high speed the entire time, and there's no real cooldown. But when you start slowing him down, his matches start to have the wheels come off. You have the the matches against Bray Wyatt where it's just he doesn't do the psychology well. He doesn't do the um, the slower, more methodical like Randy Orton stuff very well. And that's I'm not saying that to take away from Seth, but to say why that little thing that you think he's missing, a lot of the times it's because he doesn't work somebody else's match well. He doesn't match up with the people they want to put him with. In a the word, go it's with anybody optimum, because his he does not have optimum it. versatility. Right. Seth Rollins can work great Seth Rollins matches. He can't work great Daniel Bryan matches. He can't work great Braun Strowman matches. Reigns is a lot more versatile than Rollins is when it comes to the range of matches that he's going to be great at. And it takes good... Let me put it this way. To have a great Rollins match, you have to have good chemistry. He can't carry somebody else to a great match. Whereas some of the workhorses, like a guy like Reigns, who I wouldn't have said this two or three years ago, he's come along to where he can carry somebody. Brian can carry somebody. AJ Styles can carry somebody. But, yeah, Seth just, he needs that, he needs the right dance partner to make it work. And because he's the face of the company, they want to put him in every situation, he doesn't have that right dance partner half the time. So let's so talk about who might be a feel... great dance partner, which is going to lead me to another headline we didn't even discuss. Sure. It um, happened in the wrestling world. What's that? CM Punk is back, kind of. Uh, it did. Um, I I honestly don't know where they're going with it. I love the idea of him working for Fox and having you know his spot to shine. And his audio, uh, his interviews were great. He did a good job. He called out Seth a couple times and and said, I'm not getting back in the ring. And really, I don't think he will. I, I think the Seth, you know, calling him out on Raw last night is dumb. I don't think they're going to get Punk to wrestle again. Well, I, I mean, never say to. never, right? Never say never, but I don't think he even wants to at this point. Can but, I just let me just say this though? If sure. you look at Punk's career, if you looked at quote unquote unfinished business, there are three check boxes he has in unfinished business, and each one of them is the Shield. So, if he works for WWE by proxy because he works for Fox, maybe they can work him into a deal where he does a feud with Rollins. That feud ends. He chooses if he wants to continue on. Maybe he does take the Reigns route, and then he can call it a quote-unquote career for a time. Uh, uh, but maybe. I, th- I think it's yeah. just it's left on the table, and I think that it is like a Rock fucking Hogan type match because th- they never got to go head to head like that. Punk and and Tyler Black or Seth Rollins have never I gone think, like that. Honestly, I think if. He's going to go. I think that the box of the list of boxes that he needs to check off is actually just one. I don't think it, it matters who he wrestles. I don't think he has a preference as to who he wrestles if he has to wrestle again. I think the only reason you get him back in the ring is if you give him that main event at Mania. That's all he's ever wanted. Regardless of who he fights, I think he will only come back for that main event at Mania spot. That's well, all he's ever wanted. Did you hear about the Heat? 
that Rollins kind of has now from Vince? Uh, not necessarily. Okay, so apparently Vince was livid, furious, freaked the fuck out that Rollins mentioned Punk on Raw. Right. And okay. there's a reason for that. It's not just like he's mad because he mentioned a guy who there was a whole lawsuit and all this shit's been gone down or whatever. Or even for the fact that he kind of is working over the company by working for right. Fox and not WWE. He's mad because Vince's thought is do not ever incite a possible match that you don't intend on delivering. Yeah, that's true. And he is afraid right now that much like you said, they're not going to deliver that match. If he doesn't intend to give Punk that spot, he knows Punk won't come back, so stop teasing it. Yeah, I can see that. But Seth is using it to his leverage, man, and I think it's kind of Attitude Era-esque moves to say, I don't, like, fuck you, I'm going to say what I want on TV, and I will say CM Punk's name, and I will call him out. Right. And I'm going to keep calling him out, because at some point, the levy will fucking break, and he will be standing in this ring across from me, and it'll be the greatest moment, and guess what? We'll be like, hey, remember that moment we said Seth needed? There it is. Bingo. It could be. It could be. I am happy to see the heel turn. Uh, I think that's very, very well well needed at this point. Um, and actually, I'm not going to lie. I think I actually I posted it at the Facebook group that I think it's kind of genius in its own way. I don't give WWE's writers very much credit for anything, and I think probably deservedly so. But there's a stroke of genius to this heel turn. They, tur- they took the dirt sheet story and made some reality into it. Yeah, it's it's kind of a life imitating art imitating life in its own way, where you had uh, coming off the Saudi Arabia show, Dave Meltzer reports that Seth Rollins tried to give a rah rah speech in the background or in the backstage area to to the locker room, and it went over like a fart in church, and then people were, weren't buying, and they were walking out on him. And Rollins, you and I discussed it on the show a couple of weeks back that not only was that not true, he got Meltzer to admit, no, nah, okay, that was probably bullshit. Like, he actually got Meltzer to step back off it and say, you know, I guess that wasn't true. I I need to check my sources more. But Rollins has leaned so much into into that that they use that for his heel turn. And to me, it's kind of funny because you had that moment of Seth not being the good locker room leader. People bought it because when it comes to social media, Rollins is an idiot. He puts his foot in his mouth time after time after time after time. He He's also on, put his he, wang on uh, Snapchat. Yeah, well, there is that. He also dated a Nazi, so what are you going to do about that? Wait, what? Um, you didn't know about that? The, he the dated chick a he, Nazi? The the chick that he, uh, uh, Zara Schreiber, I believe her name was, the woman that he actually cheated on his wife with, the one he was sending the terrible pictures to, um, has got, uh, got booted out of WWE for having pictures taken with her with uh, like neo-Nazi regalia. Jesus Christ. I swear to God. It was a weird fucking story, man. So I'm guessing um, that happened before Becky. Oh, yeah. The lol. This was, this, uh, that came out roughly around the same time that the pictures got out. Ah, gotcha. So this is a few years ago. But, yeah, uh, Zara Schreiber was definitely, they had her with uh, some Iron Cross shit going there. Um, there's a reason she never went anyplace else. She was in WWE at the time. She was with NXT, and then she never even got on screen. She was gone, and she's never come back. Um, anywho, uh, they Rollins on Twitter has gotten to be this kind of 
corporate stooge. Like he toes and and defends the honor of the WWE and want, he tries to come off as the guy, as the locker room leader that they, you know, play him as on TV, but kind of seem to want him to be. They want him to be the guy. And he tries to step up into those big, put his big boy pants on and, you know, sound off on Twitter and he comes across like a whiny douche. You know, he's he's having pissing matches with Will Ospreay about money and, you know... Backtracking after it. Yeah, it is, he's stumbled around social media so much that people have soured on him. Like, it's affected his perception in the ring. So now they're, they've got fans who have been booing the shit out of him uh, of late. I think the uh, when he showed up on NXT... The full sale crowd booed the living shit out of him, and they turn him heel to lean into those boos, and they use the story from Meltzer that got proven wrong. Is the way they turn him heel, and they put him with a powerhouse team. It seems. Yeah, there's also that. I do love that. I like the idea of of him having this raw raw speech that suddenly everybody walks away from where he tries to be a team leader and everybody fucks off on him. That's exactly what was rumored and that's exactly what they gave us. That's brilliant. That's like if they ran an angle that actually ended up with with uh, Bailey and Sasha crying on the backroom floor. They actually shot that. That's the exact same idea. There you go. And it would be brilliant in its own way. It's John Cena giving us a literal heel turn in the ring. But, Man, John Cena, he's not even anywhere. Where's Velveteen Dream, by the way? What's up with him? Uh, I think he's injured, actually. God uh, damn it. Damn it, Dream. Uh, no, actually, I, I thought he was going to be the fourth man in the War Games team. Oh, I that would have been thought fucking to hell that that was incredible. Be because uh, when he they wrote him off of NXT a few weeks back, they had uh, Strong in the Undisputed Era injured him. So I thought if that was storyline, he'll be the fourth guy. If it's legitimate, well, it'll be somebody else. So it looks like it may be a legit injury. So there's one thing uh, that's unfortunate for Dream, mm-hmm. by the way. But there's one topic also we've not, we have, I don't think either of us have said a single word about it at all. Sure. What do you think about the new Intercontinental title? I don't like it. You don't all. like it? I'm actually surprised. Nope. I kind of love it. Nope. Um, if I hadn't seen the if. I will say it's better than the women's titles or the tag titles where it's just a miniature WWE title. I like that better. But it looks um, too try-hard to me. And honestly, having the Intercontinental belt, the white strap, the old-school look, that's classic. That is a goddamn classic, and it's the only belt they have that is still a classic. And they just they tossed it. So, you need to bring it, the it, oval it, back. I miss the oval belt. It looks to me the the belt they had the the one that Nakamura had the the white one. That is the same kind of belt that you saw Shawn Michaels wrestling for. Yes, sir. Ultimate That's a warrior held belt look. exactly like it. Right. That is the classic design. That's what uh, I think was a really great thing to bring back, and to see them drop that for. I guess the the best the best thing I can look at it is the limp, it's a limp biscuit title to me. It Ooh. is look at this cool new shit we've got. It's so cool. It's black and gold and it's got points on it. It looks neat. It's 
edgy. It's it's it's. I just don't buy it. I don't like it at all. Interesting. Um, I will say this, and this just kind of came to me actually. Um, they're getting rid of that belt. And uh, do you remember who brought it back? The Miz. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember the original, the Intercontinental belt a while back? Used to be a black strap uh, version. Uh, Kofi held it a bunch of times. And do you remember who brought the white strap back? Was it Jericho? You're close. Somebody with an affinity for things older. Someone with an affinity for things classic. Cody? Cody. Really? Cody was the one that brought the white belt back. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe the reason they did the change now is because of another dig at Cody. I don't know. If you would have told me any belt was going to be redesigned, I would have thought it would have been the U.S. title because it looks so fucking cheesy to me. It's out of date. It's the only title that's really out of date now. It does need an update to it everything is. else. There's, there's a difference between classic and out of date, and I think that absolutely is. Um, I would have loved what do you them think to bring of, uh, the OG WCW United States title back. I absolutely mm-hmm. adore that belt. It has a very special place in my heart. I want them to bring. I just want them to bring the big gold belt back. Bring the world title back. But, drop, drop the IC title, or not drop the IC title. I meant to say drop the universal title and bring the yep, big gold back. Drop the fruit roll up, which has gone from from uh, from strawberry to blueberry. What do you Nothing think about that? And, I, I, you could call it a mile away. There was no way in hell they were going to keep a red belt on the blue branded show. Well, yeah, but the <laughs> thing not is, when Smackdown's they said they were going to redesign it, I thought they were actually going to redesign the fucking belt, not just do a weak ass nah, strap uh, change. The fact that they want both belts to be, well, I shouldn't say they want them to be equal because they want to push the Universal title as more important at this point. That's why it's on Fox now. But uh, it, it's it's not as bad as the red one to me. It doesn't look as cheesy and try hard, but it still looks pretty cheesy and try hard. You know, and it, it's kind of sad because if they would have picked a little bit of a nicer, darker tone of blue, it would have yeah, like the Attitude Era blue strap they had. I agree. For a very short time, and that would have kind of like, a, in, in its own way, a classic feel without being a full callback. Yeah, I could see that. But um, the SmackDown honestly, color they, blue was just too blue. When they said that Bray was going to debut his belt, I was really hoping for a smoking skull or a, a spinner belt where it was personalized, like heavily exactly. personalized to Bray. Like, I wanted to see a, a Bray's head belt or something like that, but... No, the only the only personalization we get out of it's the same nameplates that everything else gets now. Weak sauce. Which you know, honestly, I'm not gonna lie. The nameplates are kind of cool. I like that idea, but it's then we get the nameplates because they don't actually have the name across the front of the belt like the big gold belt had. Correct. So it's a cop out because they just don't want to go over the WWE logo. Uh, there's so many things wrong with those titles. I uh, am not a fan of the <laughs> WWE logo for the belt. And, you know, honestly, you can go back to another Seth Rollins uh, Twitter fiasco when that first belt, when that Universal title first debuted and people booed the shit out of the red belt. Rollins went on Twitter and bitched at fans about it. Not a Bitched good at look. people for that, yeah. Seth just needs to stay off of Twitter, which is what Punk kind of told him to do. But Stop tweeting. now we get heel Rollins out of it, and I can buy heel Rollins. He'll, he's a better heel than he is a face at this point. 
and uh, I kind of dig the uh, J&J security all growed up into uh, Authors of Pain. There you go. Bingo, I think I actually bingo. made the comment on the on the Facebook group of he looks like he's not, you know, he went from paying the corporate stooges to now he's paying protection money to the Albanian mafia. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it'll be an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, I can't wait to see where they go with that angle and where we kind of spiral out of everything that we just kind of witnessed at Survivor Series and at War Games. If I were to review both these cards, like War Games was a solid 4.75 for me out of 5. Uh, Definitely. I'd it, say it, probably a solid 4, 4.5 mine. It, it, I mean, it hit all the right notes for me. It had a lot of cool moments. Uh and we you know we we dove on that and then like for survivor series man like is it what did you uh what did you make of the uh I don't know there's much to touch on with the Lesnar championship match but uh what did you think of the women's match finishing it up Oh uh the triple threat for the yeah. for for essentially brand supremacy being right. what ended it You know what I I dug that uh, because the chicks do deserve the spotlight, and it was a different kind of match, and you did have, I mean, three really gen. I mean, listen, dude. Right now, no offense, I want you to name three marquee male names that could have had that same kind of match at the end of that night in the WWE NXT rosters. You can maybe find two of the three guys, you know, like you could say, if you put Adam Cole and AJ Styles together, but maybe struggle to find a third person to, to fill that line, but uh, it wouldn't be as over as what ended up being that match. And, I mean, you had two extremely hot heat heels where you kind of give some sympathy to Shayna Baszler. What? See, I kind of fall on the opposite side of that from you a little bit. I honestly didn't like the match itself that much. I love the build-up to it, but I thought the match was pretty flat. Um. I don't get me wrong. I I like the spot on the card. I think that it was the best build going into Survivor Series. It absolutely should have been the main event. Um, and I think that as far as the placement on the card, they kind of needed the they needed to have something end with NXT winning because it hammers the point home. But as a match itself, those three didn't have hardly. It seemed like they didn't have any chemistry together. No, um, I, honestly, what when I was hyping that up, I more meant based on marquee name and right and right, o- right. O- overness, less on the match work itself because yeah. it was it was slow and kind it of was sloppy, really slow. Yeah, um, it was odd seeing, and I think a lot of it. Um, I'm not going to say the booking was weird in it because the right finish happened they're they're not gonna pin or tap uh becky because there's money in a becky basler feud based on their bill already but bailey was gonna take that pin the whole way through or tap or whatever the case is and having people try to cheer for shana takes people out of the crowd having people not expressly told to cheer for becky takes people out of it having bailey worked the majority of the match as the you know the dominant hand felt odd because that's never been Bailey. Now granted she's still you know easing into this heel character 
So it's a little, and everything she does is a little bit unusual. But the pacing felt off. They didn't want to damage Becky at all. Not not physically damaged, but they didn't want it to. Uh, they didn't want to make her look weak to anything at all. So she sat. It felt like sat most of the match out. Um. Baszler wins, great win, and then doesn't get to shine over Becky because they have to make Becky stand tall. In what felt like a really weird, like, took too long spot. So I feel like they there's a good match to be had with the three of them. And I feel like they had everything going for it where it should have been a good match. I think whoever decided to lay that match out and the demands of who needed to come out of it looking like what I think really hurt them. Yeah. Um, there's uh, rumors th- coming there out. There were of ways to do the match a little bit differently that could have I mean uh you know what I kind I, of half acidly expected to see in the match, honestly? What's that? How the fuck is Jasmine Duke the other one, I can't think of her name and a surprise return of Ronda Rousey not setting up the four horsewoman four horsewoman battle. Uh, two things. Um, one, they're not. I don't think that anybody's one hundred percent that Rousey's coming back. For one, okay. Um, I think the fact that it would have been a great spot for her to come back if she was going to that would have been the time to do it. But I don't think it's set in stone that she is coming back yet. So there's that's part of it. Two. I don't I, personally. I don't want a four horsewomen feud yet. I, as much as I love, you know, Becky and Bailey and Sasha and Charlotte and Baszler, I think are great wrestlers. Ronda's absolutely gotten very good herself, but Duke and uh, uh, Jessamyn Duke and uh, Marina Shafir, they're both terrible. That's what I like I mean, about it, though, bro. Force them are... into like, look, you're you're literally facing four champions versus two champions and two chicks who really don't belong in the same sentence as these girls. I, it's not even that. Like, there's an interesting story to be told there, but if you want to embrace that, but they won't. They won't acknowledge the fact that those two are not good. But the fact is. It's not. I'm not saying that they're not good in 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 character. Or they're not good in you know kayfabe. I'm saying they're not good professional wrestlers. <laughs> they fair can't enough, fair sell. Enough, yeah. They don't. They don't throw offense very well. They're both incredibly green. Neither of them can talk. They're both very rough on character work. Like they are so far from being ring ready, like pay per view ready, that they're their best use is running in and, and causing a little bit of commotion and leaving and getting hurt. Like their best, their best use is what they've been used as of getting heat on Shayna by interfering in a match and then disappearing and being slight like, punching bags all the while. Like I don't say that out of any ill will towards them. I don't, you know, wish them ill, but at this point in their careers, neither of them should be anywhere near a major feud. Okay. Where they're going to be asked to carry anything. Fair enough. So, like, I, as much fun as a theoretical horsewoman feud would be, I don't, I don't want to see that happening until those two are ready for it, and I don't see that coming any time in the near future. And that's discounting the fact, or not even counting the fact that Rousey may not come back, or maybe a long way from it too. Fair enough, man. So, 
ultimately, I'll say that Survivor Series was like a three and a half, three for me. I'd say I'd say a solid three and a half. I mean, the Cole Dunn match elevates it. The yep. end of the the end of the uh, men's Survivor Series match was fucking fantastic. And, totally. Uh, actually, Taz uh, had a great tweet about it afterwards. Like as soon as the show ended, no, excuse me, it was Bully Ray. Um, had a great line of uh, Roman went over, Keith Lee got over. Great finish. There you yeah, go. That's sure, how you do dude. it. Um, and honestly, even the women's Survivor Series match, which I haven't really touched on, uh, because it wasn't quite as strong, still had a good, was not a bad match at all. Uh, it kind of suffered from having a little bit too many shenanigans in it, but the ending of having uh, of having the NXT women win it was great. And being down two members right. to four on four at one point. Right. Um, um, which Rhea Ripley's like, I've already fucking felt this this weekend. What the shit? That match kind of suffered from having EO and Candice on the same team. To me, was a little bit of a bridge too far. Yeah, like you guys and, just went to fucking war. Right. And you're supposed to, like, hate each other. And now you're both leaving and coming back at the same time. I, uh, and also, it was I don't know if contrived. you noticed EO on the ramp after the win. She looked really fucking awkward. Like, am I supposed to smile? Yeah. Should I look grimacing? Right. Should I smile? Should I be pissed right. off? Like, uh, Yeah, there was, there was some weird weird bits in that match that kind of soured me on it a little bit. Still a good match. I just, it wasn't, wasn't that great, but it was still something that elevated the card. Uh, we didn't even talk about the Roderick Strong, Nakamura, AJ Styles match, which wasn't really noteworthy, but was still a very good match. So, I mean, good, there, there was solid quality match, up but I feel like they card. didn't ha- uh, a mixture of not having enough time to work and not having enough chemistry all with each other because Roddy has not worked those guys. I don't there think was ever, a, or only maybe a, a handful of right. times. There was very little build for it. Um, very very little build for it at all. Um, there was also, I mean, if you look at the pre-show, you had the uh, tag team champion triple threat match, which was great as well. Um, Undisputed the Era New Viking Day. Raiders and yep. New, Day. New Day. Great match again. Uh, New Day? I got to say, it's uh, I got a kick out of watching a lot of those matches and realizing just how many of those, uh, whether it be the uh, the tag team triple threat, whether it be either of the Survivor Series matches, um, you can play up brand supremacy all you want, but almost every person in that ring came through NXT. Yes. So I mean, there's there's a lot going for that. I think it's a really kind of a neat thing. Um, I would say probably a three point five, just because there were some really solid matches there. So it wasn't just complete, you know, WWE boring. Not gonna lie, if, it it would have yeah. got a four if one thing would have changed for me. Do you know what that one thing would have been? Uh, Ray winning the title. Absolutely, I think it was a <laughs> humongous misstep. With the way the crowd was reacting, with the amount of heat, with Dominic interfering, with everything about the match, with Brock actually looking normal like he was going to lose the fucking match. And then just to have the same shit we have been regurgitating for the past fucking Brock Lesnar fucking five years. Three years. Three to five years, yeah. It's like, come on, man. You just keep fucking the horse. Like, stop. No, I agree. Um, you could have brought Ray the Giant Killer back, dude. Right. I and honestly, I I went into that match not expecting much. I came out of it going, well, hey, cool. Dominic could hit a six one nine. Dominic can hit a 
really weird looking uh, frog splash, but hey, good for you, dude. Why are you always wearing a sweatshirt? I am a little confused by that, but okay. He's afraid to um, show his body off on TV yeah. would be my guess, which is unfortunate because, man, just live your life, dude. It don't matter. I don't care. But, um, no, I, I dug it. Uh, it was a cool match, cool spot. Um, Lesnar winning, it, I didn't, it didn't bother me because, again, I didn't expect him not to. So I just kind of barely paid attention to him. I, 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 I took interest in the Ray spots, but as soon as Lesnar started getting his offense in, I checked back out, honestly. Um, I think there's some uh, some weirdness going on with now, the 24 hours later, Ray is the United States champion, because that's now a thing. Also true. Um, we're spinning AJ off into a feud with Randy, which is interesting. I almost thought they were going to pull the trigger on the Dominic heel turn last night, but that think I think that's coming down the road. Oh, the official betrayal of his daddy. I think, yeah. I The way he was carrying uh, Ray around, they kind of lingered on him a few times. I thought they were going to go for it last night, but I think we're getting that just not for a little while yet. I don't know if Dominic's not ready yet or what the deal is. But... Um, well. Yeah, I'd say a solid 3-5. I didn't... The Ray match doesn't really count off because, again, I didn't think it was going to be anything. Um, I think it's better than usual WWE quality pay-per-views anymore. But a lot of that had to do with NXT's involvement. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Like I said before, it made it feel unique. It made it feel like a breath of fresh air. So the show felt more interesting, but... Uh, the problem is that breath of fresh air goes out pretty quickly when you realize you got to come back to earth. It does make NXT going forward a lot more interesting, and I'm hoping to that they continue to put as much focus on it. But I think you can kind of credit AEW for that more than you can credit them wanting to push NXT. I don't know. Yeah, it was very much reactionary. Like, we need to really give them the Wednesday night rub. How do we do that? Speaking of the Wednesday night wars really quickly, did you see who won last week? Well, actually, I saw conflicting reports. I saw one report that claimed WWE won, or NXT won. And I saw another report that claimed the AEW won by a substantial margin and that the other report was incorrect. So I don't okay, know so which I, one to actually I've, believe. I've got the correct information for you. Bring I don't have out. the numbers in front of me. WWE won the overall ratings battle. Like WWE was the higher rated show on in general for the night. AEW won going away with a certain with the target demographic. The like eighteen to thirty four demographic that is what they're fighting over. AEW won that going away, but in terms of overall ratings for the night, WWE won that one. So they both won something. So both reports are correct. It's just that they're both two different tracking two different things. Looking at it from two different angles, and yeah. obviously some people are gonna be like, "Oh my god, it only took seven weeks for AEW to get beat by WWE's right. NXT." It's yeah, not the problem really is that, that the, easy, man. Yeah, and the show that did the that actually beat them in the ratings is the one they had to pull out literally all the stops and bring out the main roster guys to bring to NXT, which made like it a must see moment on TV. Because why right. are they going there? What so, are they going to do? What's the point? Yeah, and the, and they they prefaced they finished Raw by saying they were going to do exactly that. So yeah, the ratings are going to be better for that one, but that's not something they can do every week either. So, Correct. I would expect a regression to the norm within two weeks, probably, if not if not sooner. 
So I think NXT had a good shot. I think NXT is still the only show in WWE that can even – if this was Raw going up against AEW every week, this Not wouldn't be close. a contest. No, it would be a landslide. So NXT, yeah, they need to put some force behind promoting it because it's the only show you've got that people want to watch. Sorry, pal. Sorry about your damn luck. <laughs> to quote Mr. Uh, James Storm, who's going to be challenging Nick Aldis at End of the Fire. Yeah. Dude. I, uh, I'm i going to have to find a way to watch that. I'm going to have to either see if I can stream it or something because I do not have the fight TV. Norsies. I'll probably watch wrestling.in. Yep. yep. Did I say yep. that on air? Oops. <laughs> you know, I got to say real quick while we're uh, while we're talking about websites and uh, and things online, I do want to give a quick shout out, um, kind of quick jog into left field. One of my favorite things, and I've sent you a couple links to their videos in the past. There's a uh, a YouTuber by the name of BDWJ, I think it's 1989, that puts together some of the best wrestling like compilation videos you will find on YouTube. Um, he does holy shit moments different like powerbomb compilations he follow, tracks like best moves of certain people I have subscribed to him for a couple years now probably the best follow on YouTube in terms of wrestling stuff go check him out hell yeah uh, you sold me in just a small sentence there so do uh, it, if nothing folks. else check out the uh, the he has a series I think they're like in the hundreds now of uh, moves or spots that made me go holy shit and everyone was like a 10 minute long video he gets from all over history, including recent stuff. And they're fucking great. I make a point to watch them every time I can. Hell yeah. Fucking awesome. Well, dude, I, th- I, th- I think we did it. We, we rained we in crammed. a crazy two weeks yeah. of not talking into a solid two hour podcast. Is there any other closing yeah. thoughts you wanted to add before we escape through the, uh, through the, uh, hole in the ring where Undertaker's going to put us? I did want to get a quick question on you. Sure. Two things uh, to the journey into comics guy. I have to ask two uh, attires at Survivor Series. What'd you think? You have uh, Ricochet as Batman Beyond. Awesome. And Tegan Knox as fucking Captain Marvel. There was one other one. Okay. I, I, I hopefully I didn't miss it. Who is it? Uh, how did oh, you miss oh, oh, Ray? Oh, Ray. Is, Ray is Ray, Joker. Obviously. Yeah. Ray is the, is the fucking rocking Joaquin the, Phoenix uh, Joker. Rocking the Joaquin Phoenix look. Yeah, a lot of people online, though, were saying, why Ray looking like Doink the Clown? <laughs> well, you know, there's not really, there's only so much you can do about that. If you have a clown in a wrestling ring, they're going to get called Doink. It really doesn't matter. At least they didn't call um, him Dink. I kind of I kind of like the fact that it, it uh, gave me more vibes for uh, going down to AAA and getting Psycho Clown and Murder Clown and all them that are actually main eventers. And if you're watching uh, South Park, it made me think of Mexican Joker. There you go. But he came out in the uh, the not only did he had the the tights and the face paint and everything or the mask that looked like it, he came down in the red coat too. Yeah, that was awesome. Which, cool, good for you, dude. I would have liked you to dance on the ramp a little bit, but we'll take it. Fuck yeah, no, I love I love when the people do the different superhero nods and shit. And there was uh, like Gargano was. I feel like Ronda Rousey at one point did a like white Power Ranger nod. Kind of. Um. All I can think of when I think of Rhonda's gear is way too much makeup. Like, her little cat's eyes things were just weird looking. Yeah. But uh, if you don't talk about somebody doing a, a comic-inspired wrestler gear, the conversation starts and ends with Johnny Gargano. 
Oh, totally, pulling totally, out di- absolutely, pulling out a different, 100%. different uh, inspired gear every month or every takeover. Yeah, dude's good. Dude's very good. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's all I got for you, man. Have a have a blasty blast at uh, AEW tomorrow night. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Oh yeah, you'll be definitely hearing from me. Uh, look for me in the crowd. Hopefully, I'll have a Vince fears a little bit of the bubbly sign. <laughs> and uh, everybody out there listening, if you're going out in the world for Thanksgiving tomorrow, enjoy yourselves and be safe. Travel in the world. safely, definitely. Uh, fill your bellies with turkey and tryptophan, and go night night. It'll be a great time. You know, Everybody's gonna say, you know, go get your uh, get your food and go watch some football. My ass will be coming home and watching some Beyond Wrestling. Actually, I think I'm gonna be watching football. Bears, Lions, bro. Oh shit, that's right. Well, <laughs> sorry, bro. Uh, I'm not can, trying to crush yeah, you your soul, no. but it's fucking no. Bears, Lions on Thanksgiving. It's like a Christmas that's gift. Completely fair. That's completely fair. And I can watch Beyond Friday morning if I need to. <laughs> there you go. Shit, yeah. All right, there folks. You go. Well, as always, you can check out Journey into Wrestling right here on the Journey into Comics Network. Get us on journeyintocomics.com. Also, go to uh, Apple Music, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, Spotify, Castbox, TuneIn, and many others. Just search Journey into Comics One Feed or Journey into Comics Network. Sorry, One Feed is all you'll need, and you'll find us there. Also, go to Patreon.com/backslash/JourneyIntoComics. Give us a buck, and we'll give a fuck. I promise. Uh, I think that's going to do it this week. Buckles, is there any anything else we want to close with? I think that's doing it for me. All right, let's ring the bell. Ring the damn bell <laughs> for this week's episode of Journey into Wrestling. It's season four, episode five, 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 five. I've been Nate. Still Buckles. We will see you guys next time. Later. <laughs>